and was only suitable for people aged 18 or over will almost certainly have an adult theme and might well contain sex or violence which are quite graphic. It may also contain explicit language including sexual swear words. Thanks for listening. Uh, but here's what his revelation comes to him. He's kind of got all this stuff like uh, touching, wiping, mourning of the animals. Not wiping, whipping. whipping. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, not touch, also not touching. I am, I am dyslexic. <laughs> I, I hope I'm not having like, a stroke. Do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! And an atheist almost always becomes supporters of eugenics and abortion. A swine is hungry for nuts. Jesus hates him too. Satan is real. Being a Satanist is an open declaration of revolt against counterproductive received wisdom and mindless rogue traditions. Decapitate her head off. We're done. Done. We're done. Obama! Welcome to the Godless Revolution. I'm Dan Ellis. (laughs) It's always Meow Matt. Meowsy Matt's here. I'm Ryan Duffy. For the fourth week in a row? I know. I, well, I haven't been taking vacation lately. <laughs> <laughs> or out in California on EMT crap. Yeah. Uh, tonight is October 20th. This is episode 74. We're very happy and excited. <laughs> happy joined, and excited. <laughs> to be joined in studio by the famous... Famous. Famous. Wow. Infamous? Sure, let's go with infamous. Okay, yeah. the infamous... <laughs> Uh, Nick Fish from American Atheists. Nick is the National Program Director for American Atheists. In town for what? Um, I'm in town for, uh, I believe the uh, technical name for it is the Faith and Family LGBTQ Power Summit, I think is the full title. Um, It's a get-together of folks with the National LGBTQ Task Force to talk about uh, a variety of issues, but primarily working uh, in faith communities um, on a wide range of issues, um, primarily focused on, um, uh, you know, uh, finding, uh, and creating places, uh, that are more affirming for LGBTQ people, uh, within the faith community. Um, American atheist has been working with the task force, uh, for a long time or for a few years now, uh, to try to, uh, get into those places and make sure that the, the godless, the atheists, are not left out in the cold. Um, that's one of the things that we saw the first time we went to their big conference was that there there just was no place for atheists. They There was a sort of silent assumption being made that uh, work, working with faith groups is good. And, you know, I, I agree it's good to get faith groups sort of on the same page as us uh, when it comes to LGBTQ equality. Um, but we can't, while doing that, leave the 40 to 50 percent of LGBTQ people um, who do not believe in God or who are non-religious, depending on how you ask the question, you can't leave them out in the cold and you can't mm-hmm. create a place where they're, <laughs> they're being marginalized again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of people who left those faith traditions left because of the damage that was being done by them. And then they go to these LGBTQ places and are being marginalized again mm-hmm. uh, because of their their atheist uh, identity or their non-religious identity. Um, so we go to things like this to try to... Uh, uh, heathen it up a little bit, uh, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, but it, it's it's very productive uh, doing that sort of. Uh, I don't want to call it interfaith work because I think uh, Tom Flynn and some other <laughs> folks yeah. would yeah. would attack me. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, there there are there's there's agreement and there's overlap, and we should work with groups when we can, yeah, while absolutely. still acknowledging that you know we're not going to set aside our criticisms of religion uh, just mm-hmm. because you're on the same page as us on certain social issues and certain other issues. Um, and make sure that they're showing their work on their their moral 
issues that they can't just say, well, the Bible says we should treat LGBT people with dignity and respect. It's like, well, yeah, the Bible says a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> so that I'm, I'm sort of harping, constantly harping on that, um, in, in these places, which is, uh, which is a good voice to have when they, um, when that, when they try to make elevate, uh, um, religious communities above, you know, just the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we hear that stuff all the time. Uh, Ryan during the last, uh, pride festival was out doing videos, um, and going around to a bunch of the different groups who were there at the Pride Festival and, you know, saying, hey, we're doing videos on on the Pride Festival and why you're here and why you support the LGBTQ, why, the, why you support the LGBT community. Um, would you would you mind recording a video? And, you know, tons of people were like, oh, hell yeah, I'm yeah. happy to tell you yeah. why we're supporting the community and why why the festival is a good thing and why, you know, Pride in general is a really good thing, really affirming thing. And... We get over to the Equality Utah booth, mm. and they're like, "You, you, where are you from?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm just doing videos for Atheists of Utah right now." Like, "Oh, wait, let me go talk to someone real quick." And they come back like, "Sorry, we can't talk to you guys. It's kind of we just don't want to be like wrapped up in all that, so we can't talk to you." I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Yeah, and and the the funny thing about that is somebody from Equality Utah. Uh, gave the introduction yeah. um, to this this particular event, and they're one of the local sponsors. And they got up there, and Dan has Dan had told me that this happened, and so <laughs> uh, I, I was kind of waiting and listening to see if there was somebody there from Equality Utah. Um, and they got up and talked about how you know bringing people together on all these issues yeah. and finding common ground is so important, and you know we're very appreciative, and you know et cetera, et cetera, and. And I, I just kind of sat back. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of hypocrisy here, guys. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're willing to work with, uh, you know, folks folks affirming Catholics, for example, or whatever the name of the group that they it is, but the larger Catholic hierarchy is, and the people who are ultimately the arbiters of who is Catholic in the mm-hmm. sort of strictest sense of the word. They're, they ain't on your side. Yeah, right. And, you know, I'm glad that there are affirming Catholics out there that are trying to change things from the inside. But, you know, we, we have to acknowledge that there are churches with hierarchical power structures like this that that they're not on our side on this. And you're embracing people that still use that label and legitimize the moral structure, the moral, the moral authority of Catholicism. You're embracing those folks, but you're not embracing – uh, the the people who just don't believe in God, mm-hmm. um, right. and you're you're scared that that's going to turn people off. Yeah, well, it, it really pissed me off because they're marginalizing a group who is there to support them, mm-hmm. and they're marginalizing them while also aligning themselves with these other large and powerful groups who have been marginalizing the LGBT community the whole time. I mean. You know, Equality Utah works with Mormons building bridges. They worked with the LDS Church on on the ENDA law that they right. passed here, which mm-hmm. was, you know, sure, that was a step in the right direction. But they still, they have no problem working and collaborating with these groups who shit all over them most of the time. And then you've got a group who's been, you know, rah, 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 we should treat all the gays great because they're just people like the rest of us. And they shit on us because we don't happen well, to believe in an yeah, invisible we, sky wizard we don't fit into the narrative they want to talk about or have talk about them right so and, and that's that's one of the things that i i've i've trying to been i've tried i've tried to uh highlight within the working groups that we've had um in in this setting that it's not okay to uh sell out uh an entire group of people in the in the effort to um 
to play respectability politics. And that's something that, uh, you know, folks at the, at certain other, um, LGBT organizations have done is try to say, uh, their, their whole argument is basically, oh, no, 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 uh, we should have equality and we should have rights just like everyone else because we're just like you. We go to church on Sundays. We have white picket fences. We want to get married and have 2.5 kids. Well, no, not all not all LGBTQ people want to do that. Mm-hmm. And you know when you play respectability politics like that, what you're doing is, again, marginalizing people who um, – who are part of the community and mm-hmm. listen, it, you know, I, I don't, I don't care. Um, if a group doesn't want to work with me, um, because we're atheists, you know, I don't want to play oppression Olympics and say, you know, uh, <laughs> because at the end of the day, I'm still going to support LGBT equality right. regardless of whether yeah. or not people want to work with me right. um, as an atheist. But the, the, the bigger concern is LGBTQ atheists and atheists who are in, in those places when they see that, the the tone is being set and a and a culture is being created where the only acceptable answer is yep I go to church on Sunday and I'm LDS or yep I go to church on Sunday and I'm a Pentecostal that's not a that's that's not a group that anybody should want to be a part of um, and so you know what we have to do is is be um, be outspoken within those places if if we're in a position to do that um, if we're taking if we're part of that um, mm-hmm. already. Um, do a better job of, of, of being vocal. Uh, something that was really interesting that somebody said at this, the conference that I'm at was oftentimes, um, we are, um, we're, we, we get, we're, we're attacked on the things that are, that make us a minority or the, the things that are minoritized about us. And then when we respond, we respond with the things that are more powerful about us. So when somebody, and this is something that, you know, I think happens in our own community a lot, Mm -hmm. people attack us um, as atheists, um, which is most certainly a minoritized position. Um, And then we, and then people will respond um, in, in a way, you know, coming, coming from a place of, uh, coming from a place of privilege or coming from a place of, you know, their power dynamic is much different. So you attack me for being an atheist. Well, I'm going to come back at you as, you know, as a, as a, using my power as a, as a, as a, um, where people just take my word because I'm a white guy, um, <laughs> which, which is a thing that happens, you yeah, know, and, sure. and in those, uh, and so we have to be conscious of that. Um, and I think that's exactly what happens here is people, they're, they're attacked. Uh, people, the people at Equality uh, Utah are being attacked on a thing that makes them a minority. Mm-hmm. They're being attacked for being LGBTQ. Um, and then they respond um, or they, they maybe not, we're, we're not attacking them obviously, but they, they come back or they overcompensate by attacking from a place that they're not a minority where they're part of the majority. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And that's, so, you know, nobody's immune from it. Uh, we all have, uh, we all have varying levels of, uh, of minority status or not minority status or a lot of power in certain places. Um, and it just depends on, you know, it's a, it's an individual thing, but, um, it's just something people have to be conscious of. And a lot of times they don't even give it a second thought because no. it's, it's it's such an unconscious thing of so well, how do we Christian. so how do we break down those walls how do we get people how do we get groups like HRC or Equality Utah to recognize that they do have a really large portion of their demographic who's being underserved right. through actions like this so what we found is um, and what I think is the most uh, appropriate there is you have to change from within um, beating against the wall and saying we're atheists and we're here to help. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not, they look at it and go, Oh, we're doing okay by ourselves. Thanks. Um, what we have to do is engage with people that are already part of those groups and part of that community, um, that are also part of our community, um, and encourage them to 
boldly speak out um, when they see things that are going on that um, you know that don't comport with the the values that they want the groups to represent. That at the end of the day, a group is made up of the people um, who who make it up. Mm-hmm. And if that group, if the group isn't representing the values that you want it to represent, and it's not um, you know fully uh, aligning with with what you want it to be, um, you have not only the right but the obligation. Uh, to try to change it. And the good thing, by the way, is that a lot of these groups are very conscious of this stuff that, uh, you know, if we were talking about, um, you know, I was at the value voter summit, um, which is, if you're not familiar is a sort of right wing religious, (laughs) anti LGBT, anti atheist, anti immigrant, hate fast um so you you were well received then right yeah absolutely they okay. they loved me um <laughs> um it was it, it was surreal and we we can certainly talk about that but if we were coming to them and saying you know hey listen you know we'd really like to be a part of this you know they would say well that's you're that's just pc bullshit you're trying to force your agenda on me mm-hmm. the good thing for the most part or the the sort of the thing that heartens that ought to hearten us is that for the most part <laughs> within these communities, there's wide acceptance of, Hey, we should be doing better. Um, and there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that already baked in. Um, mm-hmm. so they're, they're willing to listen has been my experience. Um, they're not so willing to listen when it's sort of thrown at them, but you can change it from within. And the, the downside is that takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes building the relationships and, uh, a lot of times we just don't have time to do that. Um, it, it's certainly not a quick fix, uh, which is um, which is always a little uh, disheartening. But um, you know these fights on Enda and and other um, full equality um, things, you know, they're not going away anytime soon. So we've got time to to, to become part of that. Yeah, well, it is it is disheartening to to be so supportive of a, of a group who then turns around and, and you know isn't supportive of you in turn. You know, especially when. You're not doing anything bad, right. you know, and they're and they're promoting a false narrative of, well, you know, atheists are 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 demonized or, or you know, marginalized. Atta- the, the, and, the, what and they're really talking about is that, everybody. So right. we should be able to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think on a on a different level, it's more that they're they're scared what other people are going to do. It mm-hmm. comes down to fear. I don't think this comes down to malice. I think it's more right. they're scared of what their religious allies are going to yeah. do. Oh my gosh, um, this is exactly what we heard about uh, when a, a donor approached. I think it was the American Cancer Society, and said, you know, we want to do we want to do your your walks. When Todd, yeah, asked exactly. Him, yeah. We want to do your walks, and they said they gave him conflicting answers. Oh, we're phasing that out. Oh, we're ramping that up. Oh, we're changing it to this. Oh, we're doing this other thing, and gave him the runaround. And it was it was a half a million dollars. I mean, we're not or something a quarter million, half a million dollars. Something yeah, nothing like that. to sneeze at. Nothing to sneeze at. Um, that's a lot of cancer research money. Yeah, sure. but they were scared what the other partners were going to think mm-hmm. about an atheist group being right. a marquee sponsor of this. And, you know, at American Atheist, one of the things that we've done, uh, whenever we have our, our convention and we do, we do like a side fundraiser for things, we'll raise money um, and we'll give it away um, to, uh, to different groups. So when we were in here in, um, here in Salt Lake City, we gave, um, I think it was like $1,500 to a, um, an LGBT youth shelter. Um, that we raised from, uh, I don't remember exactly what the event was, but we had some sort of event that was just like a game mm. um, where people raised money and, or we raised money, charged an entrance fee, mm-hmm. and then just donated all that money. Um, when we were in uh, Memphis this last year, we did the same thing and donated it to uh, Planned Parenthood of Greater Memphis with the stipulation that someone from the organization shows up, 
accepts the uh, accepts the money from us mm-hmm. and will you know publicly thank us for right. that. And we don't do that because it's like oh we want the recognition. Yeah, for, sure, yeah. sure. It's it's we want you to feel comfortable working with groups of all different alignments. Yeah. And if you're willing to accept money from Catholics for Choice, you ought to be willing to publicly accept money from American atheists as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, to the credit of Planned Parenthood and to, and I'm totally spacing on the name of the organization that we gave um, or that we supported out here. Um, but to their credit, it was no problem. It was like, Oh, of course we will. Why, why wouldn't yeah. we? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So. And th- you know, so that actually to bring it back a little bit, I mean, not that we haven't already beat that horse, but I mean, <laughs> uh, to equality Utah a little bit in that position, you know, exactly. The question is why wouldn't we? Right. right? And so they, they're damn well aware of the fact that 40% of all the homeless youth in this, in Salt Lake city are homeless because they're gay and they're kicked out by their Mormon fucking parents. Right. They're aware of that stat. Right. And I mean, if they think that they can't, that there can't be a connection made by, you know, atheists or non-religious leadership when they've already got that bitter taste in their mouth and bringing the LGBTQ community, teen youth community into, into a place where they can be welcomed, they can be, you know, have a chance of being successful somewhere. Why are they turning their back in that way? That's, that's, that's the part that kills me. Yeah. And I mean, if you really care about the youth, sure. you know. Yeah, and, and I think what we, the way that we have to think about it is, it, it very likely has nothing to do, it almost certainly has nothing to sure. do with the larger uh, demographic. It has everything to do with whoever is in charge. It has to do with somebody telling that person, whoever that person is who's in charge, um, this is a this is a bad tactical decision. I mean, this it, it's mm-hmm. unfortunately playing politics with people's people's lives. Yeah, um, well, and that's that's politics, and that is politics. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's a very easy way to get jaded fast. Um, but that's the reality of politics. You know, there we we talk about this all the time with with President Obama. There is no way that dude did not support marriage equality when he was first elected. He supported marriage equality uh, back when he was a state was a state representative or a state mm-hmm. senator. Um, there is no way he went backwards on that issue. It just doesn't happen like that. And but, uh, I'm evolving. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> uh, listen. I'm uh, I'm evolving. Uh, you know, so his evolution. Um, you know, I don't think so. And that's that's a very calculated decision from somebody. Mm-hmm. And. Well, it's a, it's a p- political decision. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 I mean, yep. if, if he were running on the, the notion of, hey, I'm all for everyone having equal quality of marriage, he would have lost votes. Well, and, and I guess, uh, sadly. What do, you, what do you have? What do you, I mean, on the net. And, uh, and, you know, in this, looking, looking backward to 2008 and comparing it to now, it's like, it's almost inconceivable the, yeah. the, the distance that we've yeah. come. Yeah, I, w- yeah. I was talking with somebody today about that, that I remember voting in 2004 in Michigan on, I think it was Prop 2, uh, was the anti-marriage quality amendment to mm-hmm. Michigan's constitution. And I, I, I remember not one candidate I voted for, except maybe the sheriff of my local town, who I knew <laughs> personally. That was the only guy or item who won on the ballot that I <laughs> that I cast in 2004, um, uh, you know. And but to think that in a decade, you know, I mean, it's been ten years between now, or between then and now, that the difference from we're now passing all these laws taking away people's rights to the Supreme Court striking all those down, and we have marriage equality again. We have uh, miles to go, mm-hmm. yeah. but. That was inconceivable to me protesting the this this amendment back in two thousand and four mm-hmm. that in ten years we would be having this conversation uh, in in the shadow of of Obergefell. I just I, 
inconceivable. Yeah, that yeah, that was yeah. Right. you, you right. still had Doma was still a law then. You still Doma, had a whole bunch of don't I mean, ask, don't tell. You yeah, still, and all these mar- yeah. all the amendments, and you know the federal marriage amendment was being mm-hmm. proposed like every other day and, by Rick Santorum. Uh, um, you know, my favorite. But like you say, I think Obama did have a plan for it because he didn't because uh, he got rid of the don't ask, don't tell that fell. That fell before Doma fell, if I'm thinking correctly in a timeline. Yeah. And then after that fell, it was kind of like, okay, now I have more freedom to voice my real opinion on this and go, yeah, I'm, I'm for it. Yeah. These, well, these when things, the world I'm didn't end, away. it gave him a little bit of breathing yeah. room to... Right. And then when he, after uh, uh, Doma fell, he's like, okay, all federal contractors must give same-sex couples, you know, the same rights that you give heterosexual couples. Yep. And, and you know, and I think that again i i'm again i'm confident that that was already his position <laughs> um and it it comes down to asking ourselves you know do would we rather have somebody who is uh political in in air quotes and scare quotes political about this type of thing or do we want somebody who speaks their mind and um sometimes i'm not sure on that answer um you know yeah. sometimes i think you need a good mix yeah well, and and yeah. And, uh, and there's a there's a time and place where, yeah. yeah and and where where i where it breaks down for me is is um when it comes to people's rights um you know i, I there's never a bad time to talk about people's rights mm-hmm. um and, uh, when you're talking about international diplomacy yeah there's a time to be politic and mm-hmm. You know, you maybe don't say that Vladimir Putin is a tyrant because, or or whatever. Like, you don't want a Secretary right. of State. You don't want a uh, a president who runs around shooting his mouth off yeah. um, at the drop of a hat and calling people morons, like a carnival barker, like a carnival barker. Yeah, right. You know, exactly I don't right. want to be too specific here. I mean, there's a guy on a TV show I know that like yeah. fires people, to, uh, but he acts kind of like in that. the in the interest of disclosure, I'm obviously not engaging in politics on behalf of my employer, uh, nor do my opinion necessarily represent the opinions of American atheists. So now that we've got that out of the way. <laughs> just just the guy whose hair looks like cotton candy made out of piss. <laughs> we'll, we'll just send a direct link to this today for the podcast. By the way, I, I can't take credit for that. That was Penn Gillette who said that Donald Trump's hair looks like cotton candy. Uh, I think they're, okay. they're fighting now. Donald and... The oh, Donald yeah. And, well, yeah, because oh, yeah, yeah. Donald tweeted something out and said, oh, yeah. if you saw the letter that Penn Gillette sent me, yeah, you'd then, all and then be Penn going crazy. You mean Penn, this like, one? Well, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. The only letter I ever sent in my whole mm-hmm. life? What's yeah. so bad about it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I definitely don't agree with Penn on a lot of things, but on this, he's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all you were doing I mean, was, he did praise Trump in a little bit, but that was for like, hey, your show helped me do better in business. Thank and, you and, so and much. And helped right. raise a bunch of money, money yeah. for a nonprofit I really yeah. care about. Right. So yeah. thanks, that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, he's basically acknowledging yeah. the fact that I'm like I knew I was going to get some kind of a bump, but I didn't realize I was going to get so much of a bump just by being on your show. Yeah, I mean, Thank there, you. you know, after reading it, that you know, there may be a little touch of the New England sarcasm in that letter, <laughs> uh, you know, given that he's a libertarian <laughs> from Greenfield or whatever. But you know, I whatever. Yeah, still, I guess, still, I guess going back just a little bit, I I just I always get confused about what these groups have to fear by aligning themselves with atheists. Not even aligning themselves, but just agreeing to work with us and let us support them as much as we possibly can. I mean, are they are they afraid that any of the religious groups that are currently backing them would say, oh, well, you know, we were all for human rights and, and basic equality for everybody, but now you're working with atheists, and so now we don't think that equality is a good thing. I, I, I guess I don't see... I don't see their end game and what they what they see is the long view of, of what they're going to lose. What are they actually afraid of? Do they think these people are really going to withhold funding? 
that they're not going to participate anymore just because they're also taking money from an atheist group. You know, and if that is the case, then why wouldn't they turn around and go, not only were these people only dragged reluctantly into helping our group, but now they're also saying that we were reluctant to help you in the first place, and now we're super reluctant because we don't like these people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, uh, Dan, are you honestly asking me if you think if I if I think that a, a group might find or might believe that religious groups might act capriciously and a little bit randomly? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I um, there's that, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Dan. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think that a lot of a lot of this uh, centers around fear and and the idea that people. Um, people don't know what other people are thinking and that terrifies them Yeah, that they, they do think that some of these groups and especially, you know, if the mainline LDS church is coming along supporting your in this state, the fact is that that's going to help. And they're so terrified of losing the, that 800 pound gorilla in the room that even if they had to drag them around, drag them along, kicking and screaming, they're still along. Mm-hmm. And anything that jeopardizes that, I mean, honestly, yeah, they're terrified. You turn that gorilla loose, it's going to destroy the house. Yeah, and and when that yeah when that gorilla runs off, it's going to knock an eight hundred pound hole in your garage. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they they are terrified of that. I love the idea of an eight hundred pound hole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, it's a, it's a pretty big I, hole. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I didn't want to do the uh, the conversion from surface area no, 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 to uh, to mass. Uh, little known fact: garage doors are exactly the same density as gorillas. So. <laughs> Go. So when you 800 pound gorilla goes through, you end up with 800 pounds. Of awesome. Oh, awesome. Uh, little known fact. I, I think I saw that on QI one time. Yeah. My, so I, I, knew would, favorite, I knew we would learn some show. things with yeah. you here. So sure. if I need a new garage door, just use a, a space to put one there. Just use a gorilla. Throw a gorilla through it. Yeah. 800 pound gorilla. I mean, if he's a 500 pounder, it's only going to be for a small car. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know what kind of car you have, but if it depends. he's got a Hummer, it's okay. It might need the 800 pound gorilla. You may want to upgrade even 1200 pound gorilla. He's a closet Republican. It's, it's, it's one of the it's it's one of the uh, it's one of the old Arnold Schwarzenegger Humvees. It's not even a Hummer. Yeah, it's like it's the military grade one that I've converted to run on peanut oil. All right. I know I can be a little bit of a hypocrite when I go. I want no, no, electric no, roadways fine. and I support solar power and alternative fuel, and I'm driving a fucking Hummer. No. <laughs> Well, it's a solar powered Hummer. I would do it. You, you, ha- you have the you have the real estate on top to actually yeah. put down. Right, right. There, there actually worth. is a company that built an electric Hummer, and I, I saw a video of it out in Moab. And they're like, "We'll show you this Hummer can do more, if not the same, than your Hummer that runs on gas." And they took it out there and whooped everybody's ass with the thing. Like, look at the torque. Yeah. This thing does fucking does awesome so off road. Just look at that torque. Yeah. <laughs> plus, it can hold all your guns. <laughs> True. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> can't a liberal atheist drive yes. a hummer and own guns yeah yeah it's just weird yeah it's I just weird. In, in utah <laughs> weird. probably yeah uh, yeah in, yeah. in, in, if I'd you lived in, in Utah, Boston, it'd be a little strange. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, you gotta, you gotta get your, you gotta, you gotta blend in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. well, well, if I lived in Boston, there's less mountains to drive around, so I probably would have no need for a Hummer. I, I've I've lived in Boston. The the state of the roads there, you might want a Hummer. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, this this road ends and it's now one way. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, somehow I am now in Cambridge. I don't know what happened. <laughs> So, so to switch gears a little bit, uh, last night uh, you you were kind enough to speak to Atheists of Utah, put on an event where you came and spoke. 
and talked about the Atheist Voter Initiative. Yep. Um, that's something I'm really excited about. Yeah. I, I, I rant about voter apathy mm-hmm. a lot on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So some of the numbers on this are, are alarming and very stark. Um, there's something like the numbers are that there are about 20% of Americans are non-religious. There's not a ton of great data on atheists. It, depending on how you ask the question, it's anywhere yeah. between four and 10%. If you say, are you an atheist? Uh, about four to 5% say yes. If you say, do you believe in God? And about 10% say no. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, okay, well, you guys are atheists. But, <laughs> right. Um, and, and, you know, th- add that to the people who self-identify as uh, Jewish or, or as Catholic mm. um, that sort of embrace the cultural trappings of that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I, Dave Silverman, I'm sure, would love to talk to you about that. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, loved his, I loved his talk about... You're not a Jew. Cultural, <laughs> Jew. Being culturally Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, um, yeah. And there's even a culturally Mormon movement. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and absolutely. So... Um, evangelicals, interestingly, make up about a, a similar number to 20%, um, 20 to 22% of the population. Um, evangelicals? Evangelicals. Okay. Uh, white evangelicals are about 20% of the total population. Interesting. In 2000, right, you think it's more. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was much, much more. <laughs> They're just louder. Yeah, well, you know, the white even and there's a separation between white evangelical Protestants, white mainline Protestants, uh, okay. black Protestants, uh, Catholics, oh, okay. Hispanic Catholics. Yeah, Catholics, sure. Catholics, okay. Catholics are about like 25 percent of the of the population, or uh, 20, a little under 25 percent. Um, and then white Protestants are another 20-ish percent, something like mainline Protestants or something okay. like that. All right. Um, but so if you look at evangelicals, they were um, 20% um, of the total population. In 2012, they were 23% of the electorate. So they outvoted their um, their 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 margin yeah. their base, yeah. um, by a little bit. Um, but if you look at uh, Catholics, um, 22% of the U.S. population are Catholics, 25% of the 2012 electorate were Catholics. So again, a little bit over. Mm-hmm. The reason for that <laughs> is because of the 20% of the nation's nuns, the non-religious, yeah. um, the, number, the percentage uh, of nuns in the electorate was 12%. Uh, which is horrendous. Almost so, half. So 20, almost, almost half. Yeah. So twenty yeah. percent of the ones who identify as none and twelve percent voted that way. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So uh, of the electorate, twelve yeah. percent identified as as, uh, as nuns. Right. So eight percent went somewhere else. <clears throat> well, or didn't did, vote no, at they all. Didn't vote, or didn't vote at all. Didn't vote yeah. at all. Well, oh, okay. and it's not quite eight percent. It's not that. It's not that twelve percent of the twenty percent voted. It's just that the the the, the representation was was that low. Oh, gotcha. So okay. I, I could probably do the math, but I, I, I would probably you know jumble it all up. But you know, voter turnout is something like fifty five percent, something like that. Um, and then we missed that by half again. Mm-hmm. Um, for our electorate, for mm-hmm. our, our voting block. So if you do the numbers on that, um, there's something like 260 or 250 million voters, uh, red, uh, eligible voters in the U.S., something like 55%, 60% of them turn out and vote in presidential elections. Um, so there are 45 million religiously unaffiliated voters in this country. Um, only about 15 and a half million of us went to the polls. Mm. Um, you know, so yeah, you can do the number there. About a third yeah. mm-hmm. um, turned out to the polls. Um, as for the evangelicals, they had you know same number of eligible voters, but they had thirty million voters. Yeah. So the difference of fifteen million. Th- just think yeah. about that for a second. Yeah. The the margin of victory for yeah. Obama in twenty twelve was about five million votes. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. and we had fourteen and a half million voters not show up, um, which right. is so that the, are in our voting that block. are in yeah. our voting block. So three times the margin of victory between Obama and Romney, and that was not a terribly close election. Right. No. Right. Um, you know, it was closer than McCain Obama, but it wasn't in the grand scheme of things a terribly close race. Three times the margin just didn't show yeah. up. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm obviously not, uh, stumping for any particular party here, but the, the, the group, the demographic, uh, that is most likely to vote democratic are, um, are African Americans. The second most likely group are religious nuns. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at state legislative races in particular, that's where this makes the difference. That's where oh, yeah. those 15 million voters spread across the country make the difference. Um, you know, when you're talking about the difference between, um, somebody who, you know, thinks the earth is flat winning, um, and that, that, <laughs> right. that humans rode dinosaurs around 6,000 years ago, <laughs> yeah. um, that person winning versus somebody who understands science and, you know, accepts evolution and all that. Um, the difference can be a few hundred votes. Um, if it's a tight race, it can be very few votes. Even if it's a blowout, it's not any more than a thousand, couple thousand votes. Um, even in the even in the most um, the most lopsided races. So you know we we got to get to the polls. And the problem is with this that that the churches have huge amounts of ready built um, tools and ready built machinery. To do that, or just even their buses. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. They have. The I mean, that's that's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. They, yeah. you, you got a church bus. You know, you got the place you're all going to meet on Sundays to talk about, if not directly politicking from the pulpit, which I can't <laughs> imagine that happens. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, if they're even if they're not directly politicking, um, they're certainly talking about it. And they're oh, talking yeah. about what it means to be a Christian voter. And what it means to, you know, you're going to go to hell if this, this happens and the end times are going to come about if this happens. And, you know, we, we could sort of debate whether they think that's a good thing or not. But, right. uh, you know, there, there's that that's discussed every single week and drilled into people's heads. Sure. Here's when the voter deadline is. Here's how to get registered. In fact, we have voter registration forms. Fill them out. Leave them with us. We'll send them back for you. Yeah. We, we are going to take all the work out of your hands so you don't have to do a thing. You just write your name on it and sign the thing and we'll make sure it happens. Yeah. In fact, you don't even have to think. Yeah, just just write your name. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and and here's our voter guide, and here's that, and you know, so they've got all that machinery ready to go, all on lock. Now, what we need to do is reproduce the things where we can and where they're morally appropriate, um, and 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 start laying that groundwork. Um, when I went to the Value Voter Summit, they were talking, and I, I went to a workshop that was half some guy preaching at us literally, and another half talking about having. Uh, precinct captains in the churches where um, they were, um, you know, on your pew, this, this group, you know, this family sits on this pew, you there, you're in charge, this family's in charge of getting everyone in your row, picking them up on Tuesday and driving them to the polls. Mm. And uh, calling through the people that weren't at church that day to see if they're voting. Um, there, there are stories, and, and, and you know, they're, they're, and they're talking about this, and, and that's fine, by the way, I mean mm-hmm. that's political engagement. That's how the game is played. Um, that if you turn out your voters, you tend to win. Yeah, you're right. And what we don't do is turn out our voters, and we don't get people to the polls because we have. Um, and you know, this is a great thing about the community. We have um, that independent streak. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. the the notion of you know, there's no pope of atheism. I left Catholicism right. because there's no, it, it, so that I didn't have to listen to some asshole tell me what, how I should think and how I should vote. 
um, and you're not going to tell me that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I won't tell you how to vote then. But what I'm going to do is give you the resources to take that into your own hands and make an informed decision. Yeah, American Atheists and Atheist Voter is not about telling people, you know, go vote for Jim Webb. Um, well, who he dropped he, out today. He dropped so, out. Yeah, he dropped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, better it's, it's not about yeah. who to vote for. But, but it, he also did kill someone in Vietnam. I, I don't yeah. know if you guys know that. You know, I, listen, Dan, I, I, don't, I didn't want to bring this up earlier, but we've been talking for about 10 minutes, and I honestly haven't gotten to speak that much. I don't... I, I, you know, listen, I know I agreed to the rules here. I agreed to it. Um, but, you know, let me just say I killed a guy once. So Go on. Take that as you will. Uh, I, I, I guess that story he was telling was actually how he received the, I can't remember if it was a bronze or a silver star. They said that that grenade story he was kind of alluding to was where he took a grenade yeah. that saved his fucking buddies and then he killed the guy who threw the grenade. Yeah. I was like, oh, holy no, shit. No, no, no. no like, question that's pretty that, fucking badass. No yeah. question that Jim Webb is actually like a legitimate war hero. <laughs> yeah, sure. But what a weird thing to bring yeah, up in that yeah. context. I thought yeah. that was kind of strange. I'm like, your, your thing when you're saying the one person you've offended is the who's guy your you big, Who's your killed? biggest enemy or the, yeah, or the yeah, enemy the you're most enemy. proud of? Yeah. The you're most like, proud of, yeah. It's the, the guy, guy you killed? killed? Yeah. It's like, holy <laughs> shit, you went dark. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that escalated quickly. Um, yeah. the, well, and then he kind of looked around like, huh? That was good, right? Yeah, that was yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, I, I, the I, smirk I, afterwards is what really got to me. Why isn't anybody laughing at that? That was comedic gold. Kind of like a moderate... Republican nutcracker. Well, he. Figure. I heard he might be running independent now, though. You, you know, the, he could. He would. There's no infrastructure there. Yeah. He's he's had um, since uh, since the Iowa State Fair. He has had one other camp, public campaign event. Really, one. And uh, I, you know, I've I've worked on campaigns. I don't know how you do that. Like, mm-hmm. who's who's advising him? He yeah. raised something like. It was it was less than half. It was about half a million dollars in the third quarter, hmm. and for the whole quarter, for the whole quarter. Oh wow! And that's less than Donald Trump made. I'm sorry, less than Donald Trump. Yeah, less than Donald Trump spent on buying hats. Yeah, <laughs> buying yeah. hats. And he's probably made that much since we started this podcast. <laughs> oh, well, he's a very successful businessman. Yes. I don't know if you knew that. Um, oh. He's listen. Huge he's got. Success. He's got hu- hu- huge, huge, huge amounts. Amazing. It's, it's the most, yeah. the most, just fabulous candidate. <laughs> really well, terrific. Well, very terrific. We're only about like. 38 minutes in so i'm just imagining he might make a million an hour <laughs> I, I don't know yeah, i'm not an accountant uh he 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 has to sign his tax forms and i remember he released a picture of him signing his tax forms oh, okay there was like piles of paper um and I, I you know i have to think that that was just sort of show for the cameras oh, i can't sure. imagine he was like, actually no, signing it look yeah. obama still ain't given his yeah yeah. His, his, yeah. lo- his long form uh, tax, his yes. long form yeah. tax long returns. Form, yeah. Tax yeah. Return, yeah. <laughs> uh, they look forged to me. Yeah. I, I know because I'm an expert in Photoshop and I can <laughs> see the pixels. <laughs> very, very forged. <laughs> um, but so, uh, yeah, going back to to, to getting out to, to voters, and uh, you know, we have to reproduce some of the some of the moral, morally appropriate things uh, that the churches are doing. Um, you know, we, we don't want to um, have people. Uh, telling telling atheists here's how you should vote um mm-hmm. you know politicking from the pulpit so to speak i mean there is no pulpit but you know we're not going to go around endangering our 501c3 status by engaging in politics mm-hmm. but what we have to do and what we certainly should be doing is providing people with the resources to make an informed decision um a lot of what we're talking about now um in a lot of arenas is how to how to make an informed decision 
Um, when you when you're talking about politics, that's reading the record. That's knowing where the candidates stand on these issues. That's why we're encouraging people to get to candidate events. Um, there, are the, if you especially if you live in an early primary state, this is the time when candidates are accessible. If you think for one second that um, you know, if uh, let's say Jeb Bush uh, is the Republican nominee. If you think that once the general election rolls around and he's up against Bernie or Hillary or whoever, if you think he's going to be accessible on a one-on-one basis, you're delusional. Right now is when Jeb Bush needs that sort of retail politics. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, He needs to be going around shaking hands and kissing babies and doing these little events in in shitty little coffee shops in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And what we can do is get in there and ask them the questions that we want to ask. And it's those off the cuff, um, spontaneous things that can really show where a candidate actually stands on things and can produce some of the more interesting clips and more interesting sound bites. Um, because they don't have something readily prepared for a guy saying, Hey, I'm an atheist and mm. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. They, they just don't have that. They don't have that in their back pocket. They have, the ability to talk about Obamacare and the yeah. Iran deal and uh, gas prices. Um, they don't have anything for, um, you know, how are you, what would you do if you're the person that you wanted to be your running mate came to you and said, Hey, um, just so you know, I'm an atheist. What would you do? And if their answer is anything other than, well, they're, I thought they were the most qualified and they're still the most qualified. If their answer is anything other than that, I would think that we as atheists would want to know that. Yeah. Um, if we if 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 we can ask them things like should a federal employee be able to or a state employee be able to refuse to provide services to people um, because of religious beliefs, if the answer is anything other than no, do your job. We need to know that. Um, you know, in in some cases, um, I would think that for many atheist voters, that would be a disqualifying answer. That if you think that an employee's religious beliefs trumps their duty to provide services, government services to people. Mm-hmm. That's that's scary. Yeah, when yeah. they're when they're working as, as a, government a government employee. employee yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, never. I mean, this isn't even going. You know, Kim Davis is one thing, but if we're talking about a social security clerk, mm-hmm. somebody who works at the right. Social Security Administration, an application comes across their death, de- their death, their Uh-oh. desk <laughs> for survivors' benefit. I had death on the mind <laughs> uh, for survivors' benefits, and it's for a same-sex partner. Yeah. If they have to authorize that payment. And they say, well, you know, this is a sinful relationship and I'm not going to have any part in it. Right. Yeah. Denied. Right. And, you know, does that, that person, and then that person has to engage with the machinery of government to try to appeal their denial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that something we really want to, because uh, there's no difference between that and Kim Davis. Yeah. Right. right. And when Mike Huckabee um, is talking about how um, he went into the jail and told, you know, told Kim that people were praying for her and there were millions of people in there with her. Or that might have been Ted Cruz. Arrest me instead. No, Throw me in yeah. jail. Please. That, it was, Somebody well, either or Cruz. Well, Ted Cruz got pulled away. He wasn't. <laughs> that's that's true. But he also met with Kim in he her did. jail he cell. Did. And he wanted yeah. us to know that at the Value Voter Summit that he was there as oh. well. Um, he actually won the, the Value Voter Summit straw poll. So um, he. Uh, Who did Huckabee? Uh, no, no, no. Cruz. Cruz. Oh. Cruz. Huckabee, uh, Huckabee had a strong finish, though. I think he was third. Um, it was uh, it was Cruz, uh, Ben Carson, uh, Mike Huckabee, Marco Rubio, and then Trump. Uh, well, the top five. Ted Cruz's father will be here next week to talk. Yeah, he'll be here in Utah. Yeah, I think I saw that. I think I saw that he was going to be out here. At Speaking the, of world the World Congress, Congress of, of Families. families. Uh, yes, the World Congress of Families. The group that was that got kicked out of the Capitol by oh god, who was it? Um, 
I think it might have been, it was like John Boehner or some other like very establishment Republican told them that they couldn't use uh, the Capitol meeting spaces anymore because they were, <laughs> they were too extreme, uh, wow. which is always nice. Yeah, we, and, and yet the governor of our fine state will be speaking there. The yeah. attorney general yep. of our state will be speaking there. Yep. LDS church leaders will be speaking there. Yep. Honorary members they are. Yeah. It's Great. disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been reading up on them. They uh they seem like an outstanding group of people. Oh, yes. Yeah, they sure are. Yeah. Contrast sure with the, the fucking standing. <laughs> contrast with there's the World Religion Parliament or something like that is I don't know. That was last week. No, it's, it's right now. It's right, right now. now. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that what it is parliament something like I that? I think it's yeah. the parliament. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and they're right they're right across the street from us. So there's a bunch of like uh <laughs> religious groups getting together and talking about a variety of things and then the hate fest comes in the week after. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As it should be. That's uh, uh, we had uh, when I was in D.C. for the Value Voter Summit. We had Pope Francis, mm, we had yep. uh, Xi Jinping, and then we had the Value Voters <laughs> Summit. <laughs> was, uh, and and everyone was sure to make the exact same joke about the world's most powerful communist meeting with the president of China. Uh, we had multiple <laughs> yeah, people, of course, talking about that. And then the other joke was. Uh, the press conference was very awkward when Obama and the Pope were doing a conference together, joint press conference, and one of the reporters said, uh, your holiness, and Obama answered, yes. Uh, <laughs> that was the joke that literally three different people told. Uh, I, I uh, guess they don't share notes or listen to what everybody else is saying, uh, but it's, it's very nice when the jokes... Or else uh, they do. We all yeah, have the same writer. Yeah. I'm original! Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that would be the best thing, is if they all had the exact same writer. Yeah. Like that, that, would be, that would be fantastic. If, if Avi Steen goes, the guy was pro- he, he was procrastinating his updates. Like fuck, I got to write four different speeches. Oh, I've got to get. Let's see. I, I've got a bunch of jokes here. I've got four jokes that I can use and eight speakers. Oh god. Yeah. Repeats. Yeah. <laughs> like it'll be like Herman Cain and just you nine, know, nine, regurgitate nine. Yeah. Pokemon lyrics. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I do remember that. Like Herman Cain. Well, and then and then the uh, and then the other one were the uh, the teleprompter jokes. Mm-hmm. It's like, guys, this has really been going on a long time. Yeah. We need to find some new material. Yeah, that's so 2007, eight, because yeah. 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 I, 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 I mean, it was right after that. It was, uh, I mean, although they did, they did make that joke because uh, Sarah Palin was making those yeah. jokes back in the 08 campaign, mm-hmm. wasn't she? Yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's been going on for a while. Without that <laughs> teleprompter, he'd be nothing. And then her teleprompter broke. Yeah. <laughs> what last oh, year? Shit. Last yeah. year she's like, and she so, did the garble of words oh, out goodness. of mouth in Alaska, Russia. I see bears. You guys like salad? I'm going to toss one here up on stage right now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> toss a word salad, I hope you were yes, yeah. yes, there yeah. you go. Sorry. I, I left the word part out of that. Yeah, yeah her, her teleprompter broke. tossing a salad on stage. Live on stage. They can sell tickets for that. I think, I think, we've, I think we're, we're crossing into dangerous uh. territory here. I'm okay. Say, she can see Russia, not Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, the the other big thing that goes along with the voter apathy is always the mindset of my vote doesn't count anyway, so why should I vote? Especially, like for example, that is us, the apathy. I mean, that is the apathy. Yeah. But how do we really get people to realize my vote does count? Well, so uh, on part of this, um, part of it is just. Um, I mean, obviously, the vote matters. Uh, people show up. If your up, vote didn't matter, you wouldn't have politicians spending billions of dollars yeah, to get it, right? And you know. This is this is like this is like game theory at the that if everyone thought their vote didn't matter then no one would vote then no one yeah. would vote and you know oops um, yeah. and then one person's vote would matter and then yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. But, but, but I think it goes and, like and, here in Utah being an sure. extremely red state 
Yeah. People are like, well, I'm going to vote Democrat, but it's not going to make a difference in this state, so why should I vote? Right. And so there, there are a variety of things that we can, we can talk about on that, because even if, even if you view um, you know, you may maybe maybe you don't have a, a hope um, of your chosen candidate winning the presidential, the electoral votes for, you know, for your state. Okay, that's one election. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one race that's on that ballot, and you got to look at every other race that's on the ballot. Um, I, I I think I mentioned this last last night that I looked at the po- the the turnout numbers uh, in my congressional district or my my state legislative district, um, and there was something like a total of eighteen thousand or something like that total number of people who voted in my state legislative district, and each legislative district in the state of New Jersey has something like one hundred and twenty thousand people in it. So turnout rates were just north of 10%. Mm-hmm. Mm. But that's horrible. And, <laughs> yeah. and New Jersey and many states, and I don't know if Utah is the case on this one, will have their state races. Um, they don't go you know, with the presidential races. Certainly your governor is most likely in an off race, right? It's an off year. It's on a midterm year yeah. um, at the very least. Um, some states like Virginia will have uh, elections in odd years. Um, so uh, the Virginia House of Delegates, you vote in 2013, 2015. Um, you know, you vote in years where there aren't um, there aren't federal elections that year, um, which depress voter turnout rates even more. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, you know, the, when you look at just the raw numbers of it, um, we're looking at you know 100 votes one way or another can literally swing an election in certain legislative districts. And this is exactly what happened. I don't know if you guys uh, listen to This American Life, uh, not plugging another podcast on the podcast. Um, it's okay. So meta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, he's, coming for your, he's coming for your listens. Watch out. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. <laughs> well, they're, they're the ones I, that were I, doing I, the serial podcast Matt yeah, was talking about. I, yeah, I yeah, to serial, quite yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, watch out for that Ira Glass. He'll steal your, he'll steal your listens. Yeah, um, we're, we're so worried. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so... Yeah, if only he could get his production value up to the quality of this show. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, he, Fucking Ira. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So uh, they they did a story, and this was all over the news, um, about East Ramapo, New York, um, where a, a, it was a school district with a huge uh, uh, Hasidic population. Yeah. And there was sort of like an uneasy truce between the, uh, the Hasidic population and the not Hasidic population that was primarily made up of uh, Latinos and other people of color in the community. Hmm. And they sort of had this truce for a number of years, and as long as the school district continued to fund uh, the yeshivas and provide all sorts of resources to the yeshivas, which are Jewish primaries or Jewish schools, um, they wouldn't get involved. Well, eventually the state said, um, no, no, you can't fund uh, special education at these yeshivas because it doesn't meet the standards required by the state. They have to come to public schools to get, uh, to get special ed funding, um, and that we just can't do it. And the, the leaders of the Jewish community said, all right, well, now we're going to vote. And they did exactly what I was talking about earlier. They literally would line up and walk directly from the temple to the, the polling place. And they, the people for the story reported that they saw just lines of people coming out of the primarily Hasidic neighborhoods walking to the polls, hmm. hundreds of people walking to the hmm. polls. And over time, what happened was – the school board every two years for the school board races, the school board was gradually replaced by 
uh, by Hasidic members. And that they ended up, uh, they sold a couple of elementary schools that the school district had, sold them at way below market rates to the the yeshivas, the private Jewish schools. Um, They cut funding for the school district itself um, to the point where people were, were not physically able to graduate in four years from high school because classes weren't being offered oh, wow. enough um, that people were the one girl was on there and she she read off her schedule from her senior year and it was English uh, study hall math study hall study hall French study hall or something like that that mm-hmm. in a seven seven out of seven units she had three classes. four of them or, were yeah. four of them were study hall yeah, wow. because nothing else was being offered that she hadn't already taken. They cut their music program, they cut their art program, they cut their football team, they cut all their sports, they cut, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to the point of literally offering only core classes and then only offering them once or twice uh, during the day so people couldn't take them. Jeez. So 12th grade English was scheduled at the same time as the senior equivalent of Spanish. Right, mm. right. And so you couldn't take both. Right. And... And so people were saying, you know, you're 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 selling short our children, and you know, and and the school board members were crying uh, anti-Semitism when they were being criticized mm-hmm. because they, they they would say like, uh, you're playing into ugly Jewish stereotypes about us being cheap, and it was like yeah. you, because people were saying you don't even send your kids to the schools, all you're doing is cutting taxes because that that was what they were doing. They were mm-hmm. they they were reducing the school budget so they could cut taxes, property taxes. And so people were complaining about that, saying, you don't even send your kids to these schools and right. you're, cutting, right. you're cutting to the bone, the school. Like, what, is, what are you even doing? And there was some piece of language that they used and, and they had a recording of the member of the president of the school board just lo- losing, his, losing his head about um, it being anti-Semitic because it was a, a turn of phrase that I had no idea had any Jewish connotation hmm. uh, or anti-Semitic connotation, but he interpreted it that way. And... Now the state has seized control of the school board and, you know, all these things. And no matter what the other side tried to do, they always ended up with, you know, 100 extra votes. They just yeah. – it kept ramping up. Huh. And so what we have to do if – you, if you think it doesn't matter, that community proves the opposite. Yeah, that right. if you make a concentrated effort to turn out the votes – it's going to have an impact. Mm. Well, and I run into people all the time who who may even vote occasionally, but when they do, it's only during the presidential election. They'll only vote every four years. You know, there are votes that happen all the time, and and the way our government works, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily trickle down. Sure, you get more turnout during presidential elections, which can affect local elections more while that's happening, but. You know, our our government represents us from the bottom up, right? Mm-hmm. So we elect school district members, we elect city mayors, we elect county mayors, we elect state representatives, and those are the people who go and advocate for us at the federal level, right? So you you as an individual, sure you can you can complain to your state senator. representatives, your senator, your your congressman, but it carries much less weight than the mayor of your city mm-hmm. going and talking to these people right. or the governor of your state going and talking to these people. It, it all trickles up from us with all of the local elections. Yeah, and so exactly. when people don't get out and vote in the local elections, that, that ultimately ends up hurting them even in the national elections. Yeah. And that, that's exactly right. And you know, the, when you go and by the way, when you go to meet with, with your elected officials, um, when you go to meet with your Senator, 
your state senator, or I'm sorry, your your federal senator. Um, you know, you're one of however many million people live in Utah. Mm-hmm. When you go talk to your Ward Three City Council person, you're one of ten thousand who yeah. live in their district. And so, if you can get together a group of ten people from the district to go talk to your member of Congress and lobby them, um, that's much. Or if you can go get those people together and go talk to your um, yeah your city council person. That's more powerful by far than going to your federal senator's, um, you know, local office because they're listening. They're listening to millions of people. Um, so four or ten out of a million, you know, that's not many. Um, I don't want to discourage people from doing that because, you know, if 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 you want to make change um, at the federal level, meeting with your elected officials is the first step to do that. But you're exactly right that, um, you know, the, the power does indeed trickle up. And um, I, if I were if I were the governor, um, if I'm a governor, I'm going to be listening to what my mayors tell me. Um, if I'm a mayor, I'm going to be listening to what the city council people are telling me. Um, I'm going to trust their opinions mm-hmm. on things. And so when every single one of them is elected, um, you know, again, thinks that people rode dinosaurs 6,000 years ago and that climate change is some plot to um to i don't know i don't even know um (laughs) i don't even know where to go with that but thinks that climate change is phony and there's no scientific consensus there and thinks that um you know women don't have a right to control their bodies uh, you know you're going to listen to them and you're Mm -hmm. not going to listen to the random people who show up in your office you're going to listen first to the these trusted officials and you know it's a numbers game and we can affect great change at this at these local races because not that many people are voting um not that many people are taking part in uh in those races and uh, you know kind of adding on to that um is uh at the state level um you know you you've had you have all these people clamoring uh, who are amateurs? Uh, you have all these elected officials because of term limits. You have so many people who are um, who are amateurs. They don't even know what's going on. So they put a lot of trust in previously elected people. They put a lot of trust in professional lobbyists. But if you can bring a piece of legislation, if you can bring a concern to them as one of their constituents, they're concerned about getting elected. But they, you know, if we can pr- bring them something that's ready made and ready to go, you've done yeah. a lot of their work for them. Yeah. And by the way, don't forget about um, congressional districts and redistricting. And mm-hmm. everything is connected. Uh, all of this stuff is connected. And, and until we get to a place of uh, real electoral reform, and I don't yet, I don't know what what uh, form that will take. I don't know what that even looks like. You know, this is the system we got, so we got to play within it. Yeah, well, and you just mentioned redistricting, redistricting, and Utah oh, yeah. is getting more and more purple all of the time, but. Because people, because there's so much voter apathy here, people don't turn out and vote, and then we have these Republicans who are elected, and they are constantly redistricting yep. to to turn, More you know, blue. what what would what would potentially be a blue district into a red district, or even or even just a competitive district into a yeah. safe district, yeah. yeah, where you know it's it could go either way, and you make it so that 
Uh, one district is for sure going to be Democratic, but all the other ones are not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, th- and this, by the way, you know, no side is blameless on this. Don't get me wrong. Look, sure. at, look at the look at the electoral map of a place like Illinois or Maryland to see the Democrats doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make it okay. Um, you know, nobody should be doing it. But you know, the reality is that it's happening primarily in states. Uh, it's happening in places where people want to secure their own power, and you know, we need to think of a way to address that. No, one thing I don't think people realize is the fact that we are a democratic republic. Yeah. People always go, well, majority vote wins, majority vote wins. Like, no, dude, you vote for your, uh, your, your officials. You vote for your representative. Right. You vote for the person that's going to represent They're called a representative your for a reason. views on votes. So mm-hmm. if you see a guy running and you do not agree with his, the way he would represent you, but you see someone like, hey, I like that guy, but he's probably not going to win it anyways. That's the wrong fucking attitude. If you think that guy's got, you like what that guy's saying, and you like, you know, the way he wants to change an area for you, fucking vote for him. Tell your friends, hey, check this guy out. I think he's got a good thing going. Well, or, you can, maybe we should go more, vote. You can do more than just vote for him. You can canvas for them. Yeah. You, can, you can do phone banks for them. Yeah. yeah. And having worked on campaigns, by the way, the, the person-to-person relationship um, is, is the single most important thing you can do. Um, in increasing order of effectiveness, you know, you have direct mail pieces and, and uh, you know, TV ads and things like that that people sort of, it, it contributes to the overall sort of feeling of a candidate, and, but it doesn't convince anybody. A phone call um, where you actually speak to a person can change people's minds. Uh, a person standing on your front door talking about it can, is much yeah. more likely to change your mind. Mm-hmm. A friend of yours. Yeah talking to you is even more likely and then an immediate family member uh talking to you and but you know we've only got so much time yeah <laughs> right so we can't we can't find a family member or we, yeah. we we can't you know birth a family member for everyone to support this candidate we just you know term limits being what they are we don't have the time <laughs> right so, so the question is how do we make everyone vote for bernie <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, well, you said if, if you have that one-on-one act interaction with somebody yeah. and they go to work and they go hey i heard awesome stuff about this guy i think he really has a good plan for our city and really to turn things around and make it better i like what this guy has to say and that person like you know i think you're right and that person might talk to someone right. and have that mm-hmm. you know that That's effect going that, right there yeah. that web is absolutely the the, the most key. powerful thing there <laughs> and you know having house parties having people yeah. over to watch the debate um these are all very mm-hmm. easy things that um you know are low investment that you might be doing anyway mm-hmm. um but make it formal make it a thing yeah. like all right Atheists of Utah, we're going to get together and we're going to watch the debate and we're going to have folks, you know, commentate on it. We're going to do a, we're going to have these three people are going to do a live fact check of the debate and we're going to have uh, we're going to have snacks and we're going to have uh, a drinking game uh, for every time God is mentioned or, or whatever. Um, make sure, you know, and they mentioned my good friend yeah. 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 only for the de- democratic debate. Yeah. So you don't want do to, you don't want to kill it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And oddly enough, check your liability insurance before <laughs> carrying out some of this with the Republican debate. But we've actually got some really good feedback about doing podcasts where we do that, where we play the whole debate going on and we talk over a little bit. But Absolutely. I mean, we've gotten good feedback from it. I think that's those are I mean, those are actually some of our more popular. Yeah, shows. people I, are like, I couldn't handle watching it without comments. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and, and there's there's something to that that 
um, making politics, um, taking politics out of the things you don't talk about. Yeah. Um, that yep. isn't fit for polite company. Well, mm-hmm. screw that. Yeah. Poli- it's, politics it's is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is what drives me Same nuts about religion. any number of issues when people say, I don't want to make this political. Everything that we do in this country is political. Everything is politics. Everything it's is politics. all politics. And, your 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 discussions with your friends are all politics. Yeah. And your discussions with your friend talking about other friends, it's all politics. And, and everything is politics. And by the way, the act of not doing anything is politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, to bring up uh, you know an issue of uh, gun control, for example, choosing like oh we don't want to we don't want to politicize this. We can't politicize this. It's too soon. The act of doing nothing is in of itself a political action. Mm-hmm. Um, maintaining the status quo is a political statement. And in this country, everything is political. Um, things that ought not be up for debate are up for debate, mm-hmm. um, whether we like it or not. I'm not saying that I think it's appropriate that we, ought, that we have to have this quote-unquote debate all the time about whether or not a woman has a right to an abortion. She does, but we have to have this debate all the time. Nothing is above that nothing is above debate nothing is past that and that's not that's not a statement about how it ought to be that's a statement about how it is yeah and i hear that shit from my from my friends and relatives all the time like you there are things you don't discuss you don't talk about religion and you don't talk about politics and i'm like those are the two most important yeah. things facing us these right are the now. things that have the biggest impact on our day-to-day lives yeah. Yeah. that you know you want me to just talk about the fucking weather right yeah you, look on the internet and, and look at your fucking phone what and, temperature is it great we're done <laughs> i don't have to fucking talk to you it's going to be 65 tomorrow um <laughs> the, the the other thing about that is you know on at the local level um and I, th- I don't know if i said this earlier the thing that's going to affect your day-to-day life the most are the decisions that your uh city council that your state reps that your state senate that your governor those decisions that those folks make are going to impact your day-to-day life exponentially more than anything that comes out of Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, renaming a post office in Dubuque is not going to have mm-hmm. any impact on you. The tax rate and the education funding and whatever that's coming out of your state capital is going to have an impact yeah. on you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the State uh, Employment Non-Discrimination Act is m- infinitely more likely to happen um, before... A, a federal one is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the states are test beds for federal legislation. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that's written somewhere in you know in, in like an, a Federalist <laughs> paper or something. Yeah, you know, one of those early statements. You know, one um, of the smart guys. One of those. A while one of those. Ago. One of those old dead guys said yeah. something like that. Um, and you know, and they say they say it in court decisions all the time that the states are test beds for these things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, marijuana legalization is much more it, likely to happen. It's a yep. big in, example in in yep. your. St- I mean, yeah, in 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 your state well, here. So is, so is same sex marriage. Yeah. I mean, happening yeah. in, in individual states and then the the pushback happened as a result of mm. things that were happening in other states yeah. so well, like i said and that and that all trickled up it yes it wasn't something that came from the top down right. where the federal government said yeah. okay well this is what we're going to do whether any of the states agree with it or not it was this is the the, the tide is turning everybody's moving in this yeah. direction we need we need protections for everybody across the board right. and and by the way all those and most of those those employment non-discrimination acts happened first in cities mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they happened in small cities big cities medium-sized cities and then they became state things and now they're being discussed in the federal level mm-hmm. so it, it takes it even one more step and you know if if you're in the camp of well my vote doesn't matter if you think your vote doesn't matter in burlington vermont 
Shout out to Bernie fans. Um, <laughs> if you think your vote doesn't matter there, you know, you need to relook. You need to look at some numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think your vote doesn't matter um, in Houston, where right now they're they're pushing back against the uh, repeal of Hero, which is the the Houston um, Equality Act um, mm-hmm. that that um, allows. Um, uh, equal access for LGBT people. Um, they're voting on that this year. They're voting on a repeal of it. Um, mm. And, you know, the other side is, uh, is I, I think I can just say straight up lying. Um, I think that's yeah. fine because, uh, yeah, they're, they're just lying about the reality of what the act does and, mm-hmm. um, and, and what it says and, and what the impact is. Wait, wait well, they dis- like disingenuous Texan politicians, disingenuous, disingenuous right wing conservative Christians in Texas. I, again, I'm I am shocked and appalled I mean, that gambling this, was happening in this institution. Yeah, this seems unbelievable yeah. to me, but I, I I guess I'll take your word yeah, for it. I'm, I'm very skeptical. But uh, like, I was yeah. gonna say, even on a broader scale, like the Dream Act, there was a documentary. Sure. I don't know when it's coming out, but it was it was shown earlier this summer, where it was uh, some immigrant children that were here because of the Dream Act that were living in, I think there was down in Arizona and New Mexico, where they got together for a science project where you had to build a submarine. They went up against MIT and beat their fucking asses. And these are kids that are in this country because they want to be here. They want to get an education. Mm. Just so happens that their parents came here illegally when they were a child, and they're they're trying to stay here because of the Dream Act. Every single one of them got deported. Thanks, fucking this Thanks, Arizona. Yeah, right. Right. So this this all kind of plays into uh, we got a call from X from Utah Outcasts earlier today, and I hadn't I hadn't listened to the actual message. <laughs> you got to read read what it tries to say. So so the Google Voice translator says, "Hey guys, it's Acts from the Utah Outcast. I know if you got Nexus on the show today, so I wanted to bring up a topic that you guys could maybe discuss. So how do we come back at 8PATSA Posse when it comes to the election? I don't know how to do it because everybody's like, oh boy, doesn't do any f- asterisks. Good the boat anyway. So just wondering anyway. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> that's, that's the Google Translate. Good uh, the boat. Let's, let's see what he actually had to say. <laughs> Good the boat, though. Good, that's that's good the best the part about it. Good the boat. Yeah. Hey, guys. It's X from the Utah Outcasts. I know that you got Nick Fish on the show today, so I wanted to bring up a topic that you guys could maybe discuss. Uh, how do we combat athe- atheist apathy when it comes to the election? I don't know how to do it because everybody's like, oh, well, it doesn't do any fucking good to vote anyway. So just wondering. Anyway, love you guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Am uh, I uh, the only one who thought Chris sounded like like X sounded like he was a couple beers in? <laughs> yeah, well, can, as, as an Android evangelist, can I just say that I'm happy that ne- that Google translates my name as Nexus? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I would that's like my badass. I would like my free Nexus 6P at your earliest convenience, Google. I know if you got Nexus on the show today. <laughs> yeah, the show we we originally intended we were just going to review the new Nexus 6P and 5X right. for the entirety of the right. show, uh, but when I got here. Dan was like, no, 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 we got to talk about atheism and stuff. As ah. much as I <laughs> prefer Google over the Apple alternative, yeah. Or is Windows even a thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, Windows, Windows, uh, Windows 10, absolutely. Is it still? You know, sure. I had I had Windows phones when they first came out, and I still fucking love the interface. Yeah. I do. It, it's it's really smooth and easy to use and very user-friendly. But it's, it's, it's hard to use a thing when it doesn't have any apps, though. Yeah. Like <laughs> that, six, that was the big apps. thing. Yeah. yeah, that was the big thing. Yeah. Um, so... 
so getting to his question, what what can we do to try to turn the tide of, of voter apathy? What else can we do to try to fix that? So, you know, short of literally putting in place, you know, the, the, the Pope of Atheism uh, saying, go voter, you're going to go to hell. Um, we have to engage in these sort of little things uh, that make politics more interesting, um, that make being invested in politics a thing that is not uh, weird, <laughs> uh, is not is not something that's viewed as strange. That that it's it's taken as a uh, as a necessity of of I don't want to say life, but as a necessity of being part of the community. Yeah, that holding holding our friends accountable, that sort of peer pressure, that in group pressure, is a very powerful thing. And there's there's no shortage of of that. Um, one of the challenges that we have, though, is for many of us when we if if we were members of of a religion. Um, uh, some people leave those faith groups and say, I don't want anything to do with anything that smells like church, mm-hmm. sounds like church, looks like church. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to even be in the same room as it. I mean, it, it, there are people that I know that I, that are, you know, very outspoken, very forceful atheists. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to call out, um, uh, Jerry DeWitt just a little bit, um, <laughs> Who you know, and I, I like Jerry. Jerry's a sure. nice guy. Um, and he, but when he does, he de- he'll deliver. You know, he stro- jokingly says it's an atheist sermon. Um, there are people who very seriously cannot be in that room because it brings back the the stress, the, oh, yeah. the hurt, the hurt, the pain of being in that sort of atmosphere. Yeah. So, regardless of the content, the context is what matters yep. there. Yep. And so when you're when you're when you're creating these groups that we all you know and, and I, I have nothing nothing wrong with people who want or need a group, mm-hmm. um, the group dynamic of religion is by far its most powerful appeal. That yeah. you don't want to give up and leave behind your friend group, your family group. The group is is key, and that's the central part of keeping people in religion. Yeah. Well, that that is religion. That is religion. That yeah, is religion. Mean, the, the, the dogma. Yeah, the dogma and the, the text are are a small component of that. Yeah. Um, the religion is is much more about it's the people the people who are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so it's hard for us to then turn around and create a community with some of the similar trappings, the things that. Mm-hmm. Draw us together mm-hmm. that are familiar. The ritual. I mean, you know, yep. the, the the reason that that Jews who don't actually keep kosher or believe mm-hmm. in any of the things about Judaism, the reason they go to services or the reason they do a seder or the reason they do that is because it's a comforting uh, sort of uh, thing, familiar, familiar thing yeah. that happens that you can count on, and that ritual is a very powerful thing. I don't want and i'm not advocating that people go out and recreate those um right you know because that's not for everybody and i, I don't yeah. want to say that that's that's the way that we do it but what we have to do is come up with some sort of group dynamic some sort of group structure where appropriate and where applicable and build that up and create that core group of people that we can rely on to show up uh come hell or high water when we have our meetups on, you know, the second mm-hmm. and the fourth Thursday of every month or whatever, um, and use that as a tool to, you know, you, you plug, you plug voter registration and you plug the election and you plug this debate party that you're going to have and you plug all these things and you do exactly what the churches do. You, you call your friends and you network and you, we have to get over the, 
the the unease and the discomfort that people have with talking about politics mm-hmm. um you know and and for me or or coming from me it might ring a little hollow because i'm you know a total news hound and a political mm-hmm. junkie and this is all i've ever done I, i've never <laughs> held an honest job in my life um it's always <laughs> been politics um, so um <laughs> did you did you just call the american atheist dishonest sir no no i called my job dishonest I, american atheist is very honest but um you know I, i've you know i've i've this is all i've ever done um, and so it, it, it can ring a little hollow coming from a quote unquote professional political activist. Like yeah. everyone should be more interested in this thing that I spend my whole life doing. <laughs> yeah, well. Like, well, no, no shit. Um, <laughs> so, um, but you know, politics is interesting and, and we have to make it interesting and we have to show other people that it's interesting. Um, but we also have to show them that it has real world consequences and that voting or not voting is in of itself a political statement. So you, you're not, you can't opt out. Of, of politics that you can if by choosing to not vote you are making a political statement you're not placing yourself above or beyond politics you are making a political statement by not doing it um you know this isn't walden pond you you know no matter what he said oh i'm i'm separating myself off i'm being a rugged individualist dude you bought your tools mm-hmm. from, <laughs> from a guy yeah. like you're not separating yourself from society you're just like walling yourself off for a from- minute for a minute mm-hmm. and when you run out of supplies guess where you're going you're going back to society <laughs> so you can choose or you can think you're choosing to not participate in politics but you are mm-hmm. and the consequences of that and the uh that's going to come back to you and you're going to look look back and go oh crap i this is not good um which by the way leads to more apathy because well now i can't possibly change it yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's a self fulfilling prophecy. It, it, abs- really. it absolutely is a self fulfilling yeah. prophecy. My vote doesn't matter. Uh, well, then all the people that you disagree with turned out to vote, and now they're an overwhelming yeah. majority. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Your vote's not going to count now because they've built up this power structure, and we have to claw it back. It's much easier to build something up from scratch than it is to fix something that's broken. You know yeah. what? Yeah. Sometimes I feel like digging George Carlin's dead corpse uh-huh. out of the ground and kicking him right in the fucking balls for, for his little <laughs> rant that he went on about your vote not counting. It yeah. doesn't matter. You mean nothing. And I and I see atheists post that stuff all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, George Carlin was an atheist, and here's what he thinks about voting. If I were to take all of my fucking life lessons from a comedian, right? How right. great would my life be? Yeah, I would start with Jesselnick. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think not only like like taking it into a realm where you're having fun while doing it, and you're, I think it's an education type thing. It's yeah. to get people to realize the power really does land in your hand when you check that box. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, and it's not just voting, by the way. Um, it's it's going and engaging with your elected officials. Um, I, talk, I, I think I mentioned this in passing, that, you know, when you go sit down in the office of your city council person, um, that is a very powerful tool for change. Um, even, even going and talking to your federal uh, representative is a very powerful thing. You know, they get an email from you, they don't care. Yeah. You get a form letter sent back. You send. You make a phone call, and now you've invested real FaceTime, not FaceTime, but voice time. You've invested mm-hmm. voice time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they know it's not a form phone call, obviously. Um, so that's taken ser- more seriously. Yeah, they're not, they're not getting re- feedback off some random website that right. is pump, you know, pumping out tons of letters to exactly. them that are all generic. Yep. Sending an actual letter um, along with something personal. 
that makes an impact. Mm-hmm. Going like, in such as what uh, you know, so, like writing a letter to somebody, signing it, and you know, like a, with a including new, a little story, inc- including oh, a personal oh, story mm-hmm. about what's happened, okay. including a photograph of your you know your loved one or whatever if it personally right. impacts them. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I emailed Obama. Did you get anything back? No. No, oh, there you go. <laughs> um, and and uh, did you but, send him a family? A, no, no, no. They're talking Dick about the, the, the not wanting to do more, uh, make federal lands, you know, keep it oh, everything yeah. like kept the way it is and not allowing business to come in. I kind of wrote and said, hey, you know, I appreciate what you're doing and trying to do this. I wish you'd do more of it. Keep these lands the way they are. Don't allow people to come in, keep destroy and ripping lands, up. Yeah. I'm like, because if. If if it gets ripped I, up, I mean, a, it's never going to come back drive, again. You got to have a place to drive your Hummer. True, <laughs> right? Right. Can't, I mean, you can't do that with his oil derricks. The, you don't need the paved roads, sir. What about the what about <laughs> yeah. the poor unfortunate person? But when who's I get out there, there driving yeah. in their little Nissan <laughs> car, yeah. when Nissan I get there, have you thought about them, sir? Yeah, but is that guy going to do really good when there's an oil derrick sitting out in the middle of that field? <laughs> exactly. Um, but then, but at the top of this is meeting them face to face. You know, they have professional lobbyists talking to them all the time about whatever issue. Um, one of their constituents going to them and saying, here is how this has impacted my day-to-day life. Here is, you know, the, the, the likely outcome if you pass this law or if you don't pass this law. Here's what's going to happen to me. Here's what's going to happen to my, my, my spouse. Here's what's going to happen to my kids. That's a very powerful thing because not only have you taken the time to do it, but most likely you've driven somewhere rather inconvenient or gone to Washington, D.C. or met with them in their state office. Those types of interactions are the things that change minds. Um, you know, we see it all the time in the LGBTQ community that that the most powerful way to change the opinion of a person to make them more accepting is for a member of their family to come out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, the most powerful way for us to change minds about atheism and, and about being atheists is for people to know us, to know that we are atheists. The most powerful way for us to change the minds of elected officials is for them to know how they're, what they're doing affects us. Um, so, uh, you know, part of overcoming that apathy is seeing, is doing that is, is going to people and just telling your story and yeah, it's a time investment and yeah, you got to take a day off work or something. Um, but you know, start small, start with a phone call, start with an email, then send them a letter and then schedule a time to go meet them. And you can build the relationship when you, when you go there and you, you've met with the same staffer two or three times, they know who you are and you know, they know that you're not some crazy... I am not a crackpot! Yeah. <laughs> there are dozens of us. Um, You've know. had an opportunity to Facebook me, and you yeah. found out I'm not crazy. So, you know, you can build those relationships. Everything in politics is about relationship building. Um, whether mm-hmm. that's a relationship, you know, from, from member of Congress to member of Congress, whether it's the relationship between, you know, the president and Congress, whether that's a relationship between a staff member and their member, or whether that's a relationship between a staff member and their member, member. A, sta- a staffer and their member of Congress, staff, staff member. member and their staff, staff member, staff member. <laughs> no, we're not talking about the Michigan legislature, <laughs> where my my hometown's elected official was the guy, the the Todd Corser guy, who sent out the, por- the who, pornographic uh, video of himself. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. no. Oh. Well, who who was going to fake a uh, a gay prostitution sex scandal in order to cover up the fact that he was having oh, yeah, an affair yeah, yeah, yeah. with uh, another yeah. member of, of the house. <laughs> and they're both like Tea Party conservative family yeah, value Christians who posted, you know, very, very religious stuff uh, when this all I mean, was going that, down. That uh, sounds like it'll work 
No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they no, would no, according to their staff, they would have like extra long lunch cuddle sessions oh. in their office. It was like, is this a thing that happens like cuddle sessions? Yeah, that the the, well, the other member they would come over and like they they would open the door and they'd be like napping on the couch together. Apparently that, that is a real thing. Spoon. That's I mean, weird. apparently people meet together for non-sexual cuddle sessions. Yeah. They usually meet in a big group and they just like Yeah, they cuddle lay, lay, lay around. Pile. Yeah, 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 hug. Well, I don't but 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 yeah, the relationship, not that, and not that kind of relationship, <laughs> not the I'm I'm stooping another elected official, um, but the 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 getting to know people and um, being a reliable part of that community, um, that's that's a very very powerful statement. Um, when when you're willing to take the time to invest in uh, getting to know your elected official and spending time lobbying them on issues that matter to you. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is an easy thing that everybody has the time or the energy to do, Mm -hmm. but you find the thing, find the one thing that is coming up in politics that pisses you off. Um, Being pissed off is a powerful motivator. Sure. Um, You find that one thing and you talk to anybody that'll listen about it. Um, You do your research and you, you know, listen to other, um, other intelligent people and uh, form a coherent position and, and you walk in and you talk to your elected official about it. And you do that over and over again and you bring new material to them and then you maybe start talking about another thing that interests you. Then you're building those relationships. And that's, that's, a, that's a very important step and arguably just as powerful um, as actually voting. Um, you know, we, we can get the people in office, but if they don't know what we think um, on these specific issues, sure. um, you know, they don't know what we think and they don't, they don't know how to vote. Um, they're going to vote however they think. Um, right. And, uh, you know, we see it all the time where a politician will say, you know, listen, I, I, I don't really care about this or I don't really have a position on this. I, I've, I, it's not something that impacts me. But so many people have reached out to me and said, this really matters to me. So I'm going to vote on this. Um, we saw that a lot with the um, on the non-discrimination yeah. pieces of legislation. You know, listen, my family is entirely straight. This is not something that's going to affect me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've had so many people talk to me about their, their stories, tell me their stories, tell me about a time when this happened to them. And it, 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 it breaks my heart. It, it destroys me inside to see that happening to, to good people who I know who I have a relationship with. Um, so we need to do something about that. Um, so that's, you know, mm. the voting, um, the voting is, is part of it, but then, but then following that up, um, and, and you know, if you guys seen, uh, the American president, uh, that great movie, the Aaron Sorkin movie with, uh, Annette Benning and, uh, Michael, Michael Douglas. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. the younger one, yeah. um, American citizenship is hard work. You got to want it, um, is something he says in there. And, and that's, that's true. Um, this is not, the politics is not for the weak, the weak hearted. Um, it's a full contact sport. Um, but it's, it's, it's everything. Um, it, it, it's, it's everything that we deal with in our day to day lives, um, is touched by politics in some way. Um, so you, you gotta want it. You gotta, uh, you gotta want to make a change. Um, and you know, the good thing about that is it's remarkably easy, uh, to take those first steps. Um, changing anything and actually winning yeah. is what's harder, but the first steps, they're relatively easy to take and it feels really good when a when a member of congress or or a staffer is like oh wow i we never we hadn't thought of that we hadn't heard that that never would have occurred to it us it never would have occurred yeah. to me that um you know that saying you know god bless america or saying we're all god's children or saying things like that um makes people feel marginalized um or it never would have occurred to me that we need this protection for 
uh, for LGBT people, or it never would have occurred to me that this has an impact on your life. So I appreciate you telling me about it. That's a that's an amazing thing. The first time that happens. Yeah. So I want to switch gears a little bit. We've we've talked about all of the wonderful things that you're doing, and and you had mentioned getting to know your representative. Tell us a little bit about Nick Fish. What 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 drives you? How, well, first, how long have you been working for American Atheists? So I'm coming up on my third year, um, or just finishing my third year. Um, I started uh, just after the 2012 presidential election. Uh, moved up from Washington, D.C. Before that, I was working for the Secular Coalition for America. Um, I was there about a year and a half. Um, my my activism has been primarily centered around separation of church and state issues uh, simply because of what I was seeing as a um, as a as a political activist or a political operative, I guess, uh, in the progressive realm, that the common thread that was tying an awful lot of these issues together was the um, the idea that Christianity and a particular brand of Christianity was somehow special and deserved uh, deference in any number of issues mm-hmm. um, and you know the the fact that these people make up you know again twenty percent of the population and yet politicians run around um, you know kissing their feet um, you know doing anything they can to appeal to this group. Um, because they get because out and they vote. get out and vote, um, hmm. and these groups, by the way, um, very disparate. Very, they didn't agree on anything uh, until the eighties, um, yeah. when they consciously said, "You know what? You know what we really need to do is fight against abortion and fight against the gays." And they they didn't agree on anything except that. And then they they, they found they, unity in a common enemy in yeah. a common enemy. Yeah. That's exactly right, yeah. and they decided, okay, we're going to use religion as the, the weapon to, to do that. Um, and that's, that's a damn shame. <laughs> um, I, you know, I grew up, uh, grew up in Michigan, um, born and raised. Um, I am a only and adopted child. Um, my parents uh, still live in Michigan. Um, I was raised mostly secular, my, uh, or almost entirely secular. My, uh, my parents are nominally Christian. <laughs> Since I've started working at American Atheists, I sort of get glimmers from them, where, uh, especially from my mom, who will uh, you know, uh, say, th- like, oh, that religion thing, am I right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I think, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but uh, I was in the Scouts, uh, an Eagle Scout, <laughs> and I, the Scout troop that I was part of was at a public school. So religion was never like a thing that we discussed. Um, And so like my atheism was, I mean, I've been an atheist forever. Um, Mm. And so like I was literally never asked (laughs) like uh, as part of your Eagle Scout are, do you believe in God or get a recommendation from your, from your pastor? Never happened. So Mm. it's like, Oh good. Well, I don't have to lie about this. That's great. So, so you were raised mainly secular and you say you've always been an atheist. Was there, was there any point in your life where you were like, I don't really know what, like, when did you, what, yeah, was, was I, there ever a question in your mind? Like, do I identify as an atheist or did you have to learn what it was? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I ever consciously was like, uh, okay, yeah, I'm an atheist versus I don't know. Uh, you know, I think I went through the steps like a lot of people do where they're like, Oh, I'm agnostic. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, I don't know. And, you know, and that's a, and, and thinking that there's a, nece- a necessary distinction or that's sort of on a gradient, which it isn't. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, I, I was I was most certainly non-religious all through um, high school and or all through school. Um, and I think when I was in college and you know doing philosophy and political science, 
that I think that's when I initially was like, oh, okay, yeah, atheist, all right, that's me. Um, yeah. That that you know, that's the sort of thing that puts a word to it, um, and and sort of gives it gives it some breadth. Um, was there an aha moment, or was it just no? I think it the was a steady snowball. Yeah, or, I th- yeah, yeah, and it was. I don't ever remember believing in God. Um, I, I don't know that I, I, and I don't remember when I first used the word atheist either. Um, but yeah, there was never a, oh, maybe there's something. There was never a, maybe there's something. It yeah. was always a, well, you know, exactly how do I identify and, and, you know, but it wasn't important to me. So, uh, let's, let's, let's use the term apatheist. Uh, uh like mm-hmm. just don't care. Um, yeah. it wasn't a main issue in my life growing up. I did know, um, <clears throat> the the my state representative at the time when i was growing up was a right-wing religious nutbag and um, <laughs> to the point of uh, he showed up at like a, a township uh, board of supervisors meeting where they were going to vote on an exemption or an exception um uh, or a, whatever the word is in that context um for a group of um Wiccans who had a sign up that was larger than the prescribed oh, maximum size of no, the sign yeah. that you could have in their in their residential neighborhood. They had a sign up that said like you know uh, Pine Tree Temple or you know something like that. I don't remember what the exact wording was, but they they had like a little meeting place in the back of their house and they sold little tchotchkes. Mm-hmm. And they had and that sign was up on their front yard and their their neighbors complained, and so they had to get a variance. That's what it's called. Um, to to make, keep the sign, my state representative felt it was necessary to return from session, um, and you know and he lived in the city obviously, um, but felt it was necessary to go to that township meeting and say that um, we should not be allowing devil worshippers to be in our community. That that is not the type of community we have, and that sort of devil worship has no place in the city of Lapeer. And um, same guy also, and some of the other people. Uh, railed against our school board allowing Harry Potter oh. <laughs> to be a an option for kids to read in I think it was like eighth grade like okay you know you, the, here's a list of twenty five books throughout yeah. the course of uh, of your eighth grade year you have to read ten of them and you know that's like a part of it um, fucking and, ignorance so and, is, and, and is they, that area really conservative oh yeah it uh, yeah I think uh, well, I don't, I don't remember the you last. You said it was rural, game. right? It's very rural. Yeah, very, my, I mean, my parents have a a forty acre farm, uh, yeah. and that's a, a small one. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. So uh, you know, I grew up grew up on a, a hobby farm. I think is the technical term for it. Uh, you know, baling hay and we have horses and horses and uh, that sort of stuff. So you know, kind of a, a little bit of a farm kid, but certainly uh, um, you know more of a. I feel very at home on the East Coast. Let's just say. That. <laughs> so, so adopted. Do you do you have any siblings? Uh, no, I don't have any. Um, I don't have any. Uh, my 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 parent. I was adopted as an infant. So, um, for the sake of clarity, well, the people I refer to as my parents are my parents who adopted me. Um, Adoptive parents. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My my birth parents are always have the birth <laughs> prefix there. <laughs> um, my yeah. My my parents uh, didn't have any other kids. Uh, they it took them like seven years from when they put in the application to actually adopt me. Oh wow. And then it was. So they were thrilled. Well, yeah, 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 and and it was it was uh, cool. it was one of those things where I was born on 
Um, I was born one weekend. They got a call the next weekend. They were like, hey, we've got a kid for you. Yes or no? Need to know in three days. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And, you know, and so I sort of equated as like being pregnant for seven years, not showing signs <laughs> until one week before. And then, oh, shit, we got to go buy a bunch of baby shit right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was at my own uh, my own baby shower, for example. Because, oh, right, So, you know, right. they, they, they sort of made do. And, of course, it was like right after Easter or so. You know, my and my mom's a public school teacher or was a public school teacher. Um, so she had to like immediately take off work. And, you know, it's, it's always complicated with adoption uh, because some of the rules aren't set up for people yeah. adopting. Um, so, you know, it was a good thing she that was in place. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm adopted. Uh, I went to school in uh, went to college in Michigan, uh, Albion College. It's a nominally Methodist school. Um, nominally Methodist? Yeah, it's Methodist-ish. Um, <laughs> um, it is Methodist, but, uh, you know. We only use part of the method, they're, really. They're liberal <laughs> Methodist. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, it was an extremely pro- uh, liberal-ish Methodist school. Isn't Methodism already fairly, I mean, it's you, you don't tend to find as much of the really super hard right stuff in Methodism, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Method- mean, Methodist is classified liberal. as mainline Protestant. Um, of the mainline churches, it's sort of in the middle um is it yeah it it it, the the united methodist church um is not an affirming church they do not support same-sex marriage they do not support uh you know lgbt priests Mm. um so the school itself had you know the sort of uh you know they had the lgbt club and they had the the secular student alliance and they had all that Mm -hmm. stuff you know it's 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 religious in the sense of a historical link and a uh, and a relationship with the church, but the uh, church okay. didn't yeah. didn't meddle uh, with with the school. Um, the chaplain wasn't even Methodist. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the chaplain was a Unitarian. So, uh, no. oh, okay, you know, yeah, very yeah. very liberal, very then. liberal. Yeah. So, okay. my my, but but the people who went there, um, it was a lot of sort of upper middle class. Um, Kids from uh, Oakland County, which is uh, one of the suburbs of Detroit, where most of like the wealthy, you mm. know, you know, my dad's an attorney and works for Ford and oh, okay. blah 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 blah. Um, and so there was a there's a lot of the, Michigan is a weird place politically because there's so much union activity and, mm-hmm. and the unions are were were uh, very strong um, and it we we tend to elect a lot of Democrats, mm-hmm. uh, but socially not so much. Socially, right. it's it's a it's relatively rural. Um, state in many places mm-hmm. um, and so you find that throughout the north midwest actually. Yeah. yeah i mean minnesota's yeah. kind of the same, same way same thing yep yeah. same with wisconsin yeah wisconsin lot, too. a lot of unions a lot of ohio a uh, lot of sort of do your own thing leave me alone you yeah. know yeah. L- let me l- live and let live um not such a a, a strong embrace of the sort of social values mm-hmm. that some of us are are, are keen on mm-hmm. um so, but you know, school was school was school. It was fine. Uh, studied political science um, after school. I went to uh, I worked on the two thousand eight presidential election down in Raleigh, North Carolina. We registered for Mitt Romney. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm wearing a polo shirt and khakis in the studio. If you can't see, mom uh, jeans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mom jeans and the garments. Yeah, yeah the garments. Got to have the got to have the garments. No, oh uh, eight was oh uh, eight was uh, was McCain um, and and Sarah. So oh right, 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 right. Um, but so, but 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 you would drive yes. by. You could drive by the Republican office, and you could see exactly who the Republican operatives were because they literally were all wearing khakis and polo shirts at oh. all times. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know if it was like tattooed on or what, but penny loafers. Yeah, penny. Yes, no, seriously. Yeah, <laughs> but just to be clear, 
after you're clarifying me, you were you were not pro McCain and Payton. No, 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 in no, 08. God, no. Uh, uh, no, I, no. That up, that, yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, no. We would drive, but we would drive by the Republican headquarters and see God, them all the time. Was that? Oh man, that doesn't seem like it was that long. A while ago, but you're right? quite a bit younger than us. But yeah, man, are but you younger? What? How old are you? Uh, you I'm 29, 29 right now. No shit. Yeah. You're fucking kidding me. <laughs> 1986, baby, and I can't, I can't do that much. You're not even 30 years old? Yeah, not yet. Jesus. Yeah. How do you think I feel when some of these kids coming up is like, I, I was born in 1999. Like, 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 like fucking Greg? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Greg, Greg, Greg he's, he's what, like 22, time. right? I, some, yeah, yeah, 23 maybe. 23 maybe. 22, yeah. Something like that. And he, he's, yeah, he's incredible. He's, I, he's like you, man. He's, he's it, super intelligent. No, no, just, think, yeah, okay, here's, here's something that, that'll just fuck with you. The kids in high school right now, seniors, do not remember 9-11 at all. Yeah. It's 2011. It was 2001. It's now 2015. So anybody you know younger right. than three at the time. Right. So that takes you back to like 98. Like so they anyone, have no, they have wow. no memory of 9/11. Wow. We, so yeah, their entire is... growing up, we've been at war with Iraq. You just blew my mind. Yeah, and they that have does. no idea why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. have no idea why. I know. I was just, I was just talking to my wife about this. That you know, people that are born in 1994 can buy beer. Oh, yeah. oh, I saw. I was in the. I, I was, was in a convenience like, store. Uh, I, but yeah, the, that nine eleven thing is really crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember being in school wow. in nine eleven and like, holy shit, and coming home from school. Uh. Um, and and just thinking about you know the the gulf of difference between yeah. Yeah. what 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 the world was yeah. like yeah. in two thousand and one when that happened uh-huh. and now uh, you know the twenty four hour news cycle was just sort of starting just to be starting, a thing yeah. um, and that was the thing that kicked it into overdrive oh yeah um, so thanks again Osama for that and that was uh, you've. It's ruined, like, ruined lots of things. Thanks, I, I can almost meet new recruits that are coming into the reserves now, and they're, I'm like, you were shitting in your pants when I was in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they appreciate you saying that to them. <laughs> Listen, youngin. Yeah. <laughs> right, slow, slow down, old man. Slow down. <laughs> Back in my day, we went to Afghanistan, and we knew why we were going to <laughs> Afghanistan. We still can, didn't can like we, it. Can we ever? Can we ever release that? Yeah, yeah, no. no. Yeah, no. <laughs> Back in my day, we were at war with the Soviets. <laughs> And the way, that's the way we liked it. <laughs> right. I actually right. knew who the Mujahideen were. <laughs> <laughs> we had nukes pointed at everybody, yeah. um, and them at us. Yeah, and we appreciated that. But so I, yeah, I worked in politics. Um, you and, blew my fucking mind, man. That, that, is, you. that is wild. You got to watch wow. out. Um, but yeah, so I've uh, again, I, I've never held an honest job. It's always been politics and, and nonprofit world and um, and that sort of thing. Um, after the election and then until I started working the secular coalition, um, I worked for a variety of, um, uh, political groups and nonprofits, primarily on the progressive side of things, uh, doing fundraising, um, doing a little bit of it work, um, and doing organizing, uh, for them. So my background is primarily in fundraising and development, uh, but a little, but a bit of organizing and, um, strategy, um, which is what I'm doing now. So, um, um other things about me i finally like buy have bought furniture and uh <laughs> and lease an automobile which is which is extremely exciting. feel like a real adult yeah now. i feel like an actual adult it's very alarming uh for for a while there this is uh, living in new jersey working with american atheists i've been here for three years it's the longest i've lived anywhere uh like ever other than at home. Yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. your parents. Yeah. Right. And, as, and, because, yeah, an yeah, I, I lived in North Carolina, or I lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Nor- uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, Boston, Massachusetts, Austin, Texas, Washington, D.C., uh, uh, 
uh, something Maryland. What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck Maryland. Uh, we don't what care. What the fuck was the name of it? I don't even. <laughs> Everyone forgets Park. Even a state. I don't know. So, some, something in Maryland, uh, and then and then and now in uh, and now in New Jersey. Um, all between 2008 and 2012. So in four years, I lived in Jeez. like seven places. Wow. wow. Um, Did you ever unpack? Uh, no, 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 no. When I lived when I lived in Washington D.C., I rented a furnished room for the year and a half that I was there. Wow. Um, and so I had I didn't really have a closet like the closet didn't have doors on it because the room wasn't big enough to really warrant that because I had to like push a dresser into the closet to put a TV on it so I would have room <laughs> for a TV. When I moved up to Washington D.C. to start work with Secular Coalition, I uh, I, I quit my job, gave him like three weeks' notice. Um, sold literally everything I owned, all of my furniture, you know, my Ikea furniture. Um, <laughs> I had like a roll of cash, uh, you know, like $500 in cash uh, in small bills, small non, non-sequential bills. Um, so what you, know, you get so for you work in <laughs> <laughs> um, I will confess to making it rain in my empty apartment after I sold everything <laughs> uh, to literally un- like just f- f- throwing a roll of nice. like fives and tens and twenties in the air uh so i could literally make it rain in my apartment um and then and then spent like 15 minutes picking it back up and, uh, going, that was a bad and feeling like an asshole about it um, and then loading everything in my car and rich ha- people and, have maids for this shit damn it yeah, and then, and then yeah, and then you know carrying around a wad of cash as i drove my 2003 buick regal from, <laughs> from austin texas to Washington D.C. Wow. on from a Saturday, and then I had until Tuesday because Monday was the Fourth of July. Oh, wow. so I had that day off, uh, thankfully, and so I had. It was like, okay, I need to do this drive in yeah. you know, two and a half, yeah. three days. And as I was leaving Austin, Austin was on fire because that was the wildfire year mm. in Texas. And I was like, well, I think I picked a good time to leave. <laughs> yeah. um, got got up to uh, got up to Washington D.C. It was about a hundred degrees and 90 percent humidity. Uh, unpacked mm. my completely full car, carried it up two flights of stairs to an unair conditioned room, and uh, hung out there for. I, I lived there for like a month and a half, two months, um, just while I was get, finding a place to live permanently. Um, that's stabby weather. Oh like I God. can't yeah. fucking handle oh that. My God. It was, and we lost power. We had like a, we had a huge storm the next weekend, um, and lost power. So even my fan didn't work. Ugh. So I was working. I was like, uh. well, this is a good excuse for me to work for like 16 hours a day, just so in I can the sit air sure. 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 Yeah, sure. at the secular coalition, uh, <laughs> and, and just not go home because it's right. so hot. Um, and how long did it actually take you to get from, uh, that Texas was, to, that's a hell of a drive. Yeah, um, it is. It's, it's about 26 hour drive and I did it by myself okay. in two days. Okay. Um, my, so my, not much sleep. No. Um, I, I think I stopped my, my goal. One of the days, uh, or I think it must've been three days because I got like up to Tennessee, uh, mm-hmm. or just short of Tennessee the first day. Mm-hmm. And then that's a good leg, man. Yeah. And then my goal was like, okay, well, let I, I, I might be able to do this. Now, by the end of the night, my goal was like, I just got to fucking get across Tennessee. This state yeah. is so wide. It took me like it took me like ten hours to drive just across Tennessee. Oh, is it really up and down like uh, Pennsylvania? Is yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's up and down, but it's just always fucks it's me up. It's so wide. It's just it's really? you know. I mean, it's it's oh east west. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Because it's, yeah. it, it's it's the entire width of right. like uh, was Indiana. And Ohio, yeah, which are both already pretty yeah. wide states, right? You got, ugh, 
yeah killed me yeah and it was like i i just got to get out of tennessee and i did i I like crossed the border of tennessee and stopped at like the first hotel i found uh to try to to sleep because i was just so wiped out um when i when i moved down to texas i drove down with a really good friend of mine from college um and she we had i had a little bit more time um and she and i stopped at um basically every barbecue uh, nice. hot spot we could on the way so we from went michigan from michigan Ooh. so we went to uh you know kansas city and then mm, we went to memphis yeah. and then we went to arkansas and then we, the only place we didn't go was north carolina because we had both lived there uh. <laughs> it's like you know we, we've had enough pulled yeah. pork pulled yeah, pork and uh, vin- vinegar based uh, vinegar based <laughs> sauces so we're okay there but we stopped in just about every other place to have barbecue nice what, what's um, which what's the best you know that uh, you're asking a, a father to pick his favorite child. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, I've got mine. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one kid. <laughs> oh, okay. oh. That, uh, that could have been awkward. Uh, 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 um, you know, um, one kid that listens to the show. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just have the one. Um, it's, it's hard. Um, I, I do like the Carolina stuff. I like, I like pulled pork a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, very much a pulled pork person. Um, I like the vinegar based sauces, man. Yeah, no, I do too. Yeah. Um, there's something, there's something yeah. about it that, yeah. that's really good. Um, I'm not so much of a rib guy. Um, sometimes like I'll have to be in like a mood for ribs. I like a nice brisket or pulled pork. Yeah, I do enjoy, but I do enjoy brisket. Um, living in Texas, you're sort of like spoiled. Um, yeah. Yeah. with especially Austin, you got just so much good barbecue around there. You don't even know what to do with yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than, you know, add 50 pounds. But <laughs> other than that, you don't know what to do with yourself. Um, and yeah, living in Austin, Austin, if you've uh, if you've never been a, gotten a chance to go down there, great town, um, a lot of great live music, really good uh, 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 music and bar scene, really good atheist group, really good atheist group. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 you I don't say. I, I, I didn't even know about him at the time oh, when, really? I, when I lived there. Yeah, because I was I was just working in. I didn't I didn't have time. I was oh, working. Okay. I was working like 60, 60 hours a week uh, when I worked down there. Um, so I, well, you know, I, I had like no money. So I'm just like I'm going to go home and. Sit and watch Netflix and, eat, and reheat some ramen. Yeah. So. <laughs> what year was this? Reheat ramen. <laughs> yeah, we we don't have time. We don't have the resources for fresh ramen at all times. <laughs> you, can, you can slow your roll there. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what they do in the the, the government employees. Mister yeah. Fancy Pants yeah. Fresh get, Ramen. Yeah, we, yeah, we get with your we Hummer get fresh ramen. <laughs> It's like a, a small Asian man making ramen in, in your kitchen. Um, now, uh, what, what, was, talk, the, what was the question? I don't, I don't even know. What was the question? This, this is pretty much how the show goes. Yeah. No, no. Um, <laughs> how did we get here? What, what? Year, what year were you in Austin? Uh, that was, who... oh God, when was that? Uh, 2010 and 11, I think. Okay. I was there. Okay. And then I moved up summer of 11 to DC. Um, I was there summer of 11 through 2012. And then I've been in Jersey since then. Gotcha. Since election 2012. That, that by the way, was a heck of an experience when... Uh, that was the Romney year. That was the Romney yeah. year. When, when um, Obama won re-election, um, you know, I went to a... Um, and again, I'm speaking on my personal views here, not the views of my employer. Mm-hmm. Um, went to a, uh, a watch party with a lot of my friends, and we... Uh, when he won, um, when Obama won in 2012, you, you could just, the, the city um, just exploded um, in a positive way. Um, just so many, like everyone left their apartments and went to the White House. Nice. There were thousands of people like celebrating at the White House. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, one of the things when, when I was talking about, um, you know, people not being excited about politics. It's, it's, it's right. just like a foreign thing to me I because, love politics. because I've, 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 I've been surrounded with it for my entire professional life. And most of my 
just life. Um, mm-hmm. Soon, soon there will not be a distinction between my entire professional life and most of my life. <laughs> right. um, waiting for that very soon. <laughs> but uh, you know, the being able to choose to do this uh, for a living is is really exciting, and it's, I feel really fortunate to be able to do that. Um, to to work on something that uh, that I really care passionately about. That um, you know, we can we can move if we can change the way people see the world, just a, a tiny the tiniest bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we're changing the world mm-hmm. and you know, it, it takes a lot to, to turn that big ship, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it wouldn't work if those little adjustments didn't do anything. Right. Um, and they do. So, yeah, that's, that's one of the, one of the big things, um, about what I appreciate about a Bernie Sanders, even, even if, I mean, I, I'm a fan of Bernie Sanders, but even if he doesn't win, uh, the presidency, he's still, he's still already affected mm-hmm. politics in this country. Mm-hmm. He's, he's forced Hillary Clinton to move from the best Republican prospect we've had to <laughs> a little bit further left, you know, to to adopt some of the. I, I don't know where you stand. I don't mean to offend you, if, but I'm just saying he's already forced her to adopt more left stances than she was taking pr- prior to yeah. uh, his surge, which I think is a great thing for this country. Yeah, and you know, this is this is what politics is about, and um, seeing yeah, people people look at Hillary, and and you know, I, I don't know, I don't have a problem with Hillary. I think Hillary is. A, nah, I don't. I don't. Hillary is a consummate professional yes hillary is an excellent politician absolutely and i I think i made i don't know if i made mention of this before we started recording or after (laughs) i don't have a problem in the world with a with a person being politic when they're talking on a national when they're talking on an international stage when they're talking with potentially our enemies they're talking with it's, uh, it's their job it's it's their job I don't have a problem in the world uh, with a person being politic in those situations, um, like in the debate situations. You mean, or in, or? in any situation? I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's helpful to be saying things like. Um, we need to be unpredictable. I'll, I'll be the most unpredictable president you ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't fucking believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if you watch Fox. Fox News, but Donald Trump's interview yeah. where he's talking—I didn't know who he's for sure you Chris, were talking about, but that was my first. He's guess. talking yeah, to Chris Wallace, and he's talking about I'll be the most unpredictable president you've ever seen. It's gonna be fantastic. That, like, how is that <laughs> a good really thing? Like, we won't know what, what the fuck you're gonna do from day to day, and that's yeah. that's good. Yeah. That's a virtue. Well, and at the Value Voter Summit, uh, I was. I'm pretty sure that Ted Cruz threatened to assassinate Ayatollah Khomeini. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> I sat there and you could see on the Twitter stream all of the like progressive or non-religious trackers that were there keeping an eye on this. Were like, did he just threaten to assassinate a world leader? <laughs> um, like that's sort of alarming. Um, I'm telling you now, if I were if I were elected president, he'd be dead. He'd- yeah, his 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 voice. You can you can you can just sort of feel the sizzle uh, when he's looking at you. <laughs> Gets you right here. Um, he yeah. that that man. Wow. Um, uh, But, you know, so I I want somebody I I, I don't have a problem with people um, being politic in that way. I also don't have a problem with with people changing their minds. Well, sure. I I don't I don't think it's a knock against Hillary Clinton to say, oh, she changed her mind on, you know, marriage equality. President Obama changed his mind. You know, we were just talking about this. Yeah. Thoughts should evolve. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, and I don't, so I don't have a problem in the world with that. I I would be much more concerned if, if a politician was like, no matter what I hear, you're not going to change my mind. Nothing will ever change my mind about this. Yeah. CC Mike Huckabee. Um, so, (laughs) you know, there, but uh, so I'm, I, I don't view those as knocks on Hillary. I think Hillary is an outstanding politician. Um, uh, but I'm. I want our politician. I want our politics to 
be an authentic choice between competing ideas. And I appreciate that Senator Sanders, um, that Bernie has um, done that to some degree. His, mm-hmm. he, he speaks from, he he's obviously speaks from his, uh, his heart. He speaks from his convictions. And I mm-hmm. appreciate that. Um, I want, I think it's important that a person speaks um, authentically um, and, you know, even when they're, even when you can't tell the whole truth because you're dealing in politics, um, I still want it to be authentic. And I think it's important to be authentic. Um, and again, me saying that I value a politician that is political, um, it's not a knock on Bernie. I think Bernie is also political, um, and, and sort of gets it on, on many mm-hmm. levels. Um, in a must, I mean, you know, I mean, this is always a, this is a buzzword as well, but I mean, in a much more grassrootsy type of way, although, uh, I'm, I'm interested well, in your take on this. A populist candidate. Yeah. 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 I, I'm, I'm, I, well, I don't know how much of the last episode you listened to. You said some. But my, my take on O'Malley was, I, uh, to be honest, I didn't know much about him before, yeah. as with anybody else in this country. Uh, Apparently. Right? <laughs> but I was very impressed. I, yeah. you know, but I think, I think a lot of that was just what you're saying. I, I, I think he, he, he broke it down into nice digestible sound bites very very well tested sound bites yeah very concise and i and i and they seem to be fairly heartfelt and and meaningful statements and i felt kind of the same way from bernie but that's kind of that's his shtick yeah uh hillary i felt was a little dodgier a little more politic as you say um which which made me kind of a little bit less comfortable but maybe that's just maybe that's my inexperience with politics i don't know i mean what do you think about that yeah so watching the debate performances i thought that um my my i thought that uh, by not screwing up <laughs> hillary um you know sort of reinforced the the notion that something big has to happen in order for her to be knocked off because the polling that's out there mm. says that bernie might win a state or two but that he has not mobilized uh, important components of the of the Democratic coalition. That in order to win as a Democratic candidate, you have to turn out X percentage of um, of African American voters and you know win by this margin. You have to turn out X percentage of millennials and win by this this margin. You have to do that in order to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bernie has not yet mobilized those folks. Uh, in the numbers that he needs to overtake Hillary, mm-hmm. that Hillary Clinton, people have a long memory for the good that Hillary Clinton um, has put out. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's not her husband. She is not. Of Bill. course. Um, Bill. Bill Clinton is. I, a, I don't a really have a communicator, but, you know, Bill. Bill was all about triangulation. Bill was about finding moderate positions on social issues in order to win well, to piece together to piece together that winning coalition. Lest we forget. Bill Clinton signed into law the Defense of Marriage Act. Yep. He signed into law Don't Ask, Don't Tell. He signed into law um, criminal justice reforms, including mandatory minimum sentences. Inclu- and when I, you know, reforms are in quotes. Yeah. Um, you know, he signed into a lot of things that that were part of that triangulation strategy um, to tack right uh, in order to yeah. win. To win, um, Bill Clinton. Um, I don't know that he ever won a majority of the vote. Um, he won a plurality, uh, you know, against Ross Perot, I, I think against Dole or against, uh, Dole. Um, yeah, Dole. Yeah. Um, he may have been close, but I, you know, he, he won a lot of electoral votes, but he didn't ever win by huge margins. Um, Obama won by large numbers, by huge numbers, by inspiring people. Um, and by talking about Washington in a way that people hadn't been talking about Washington in a while. So, mm-hmm. 
I, you know, I think if, if Bernie can mobilize that and can continue to tap into that, it'll be interesting. My, the thing that I want most from our politics is I want there to be a choice. I want there to be a genuine choice when we go to the ballot box that if, when we show up, uh, one party can take us for granted um, because the other party is so far out there that it's, it's just unpalatable for us. Um, you know, I, I'll come out and say I would never be able to vote for Mike Huckabee. Like it just ain't happening. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't, I don't care who is running against Mike Huckabee. Um, it can't be worse. What if it's Ted Cruz? <laughs> <laughs> <If they're... laughs> uh, uh, so who, uh, who? Jill Stein, maybe is she running again as the green party candidate? Who, I don't even know. Who of the current Republican candidates could you see yourself ever voting for ever? Oh God. Um, well, I mean, assuming that the, those are the only possible candidates. <laughs> yeah. I like, mean, if, like if that you game had, we played the one day. Had, yeah. If you had to Jim vote Webb. for a Republican, if you had to vote yeah. for somebody running on the Republican ticket, who would it be? Uh, if you held a gun to my head and forced me to vote for one of the Republicans, um, you know, I, I think I would almost have to suck it up and vote for Jeb Bush. Um, I think he's hmm. not a theocrat. <laughs> like, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, Ted, Ted Cruz and Mike Huckabee to me are over Kasich. You think? Um, yeah. yeah. Kasich's put in place some pretty dodgy things recently in Ohio dealing with reproductive health that scare the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, not that Jeb Bush do you, I was has done say, do you much think, better. Do you, well, and do you think Bush would have done any different? Had he, um, yeah, I don't know. Had he Cause been he, in that position? Because Bush also interfered in the Terry Schiavo case. Yeah. Um, you know, it would probably between be between one of the two. And to be honest, for a minute there, I forgot Kasich was a thing. Um, <laughs> I'll be completely honest with you. Uh, but it would probably be, you know, between one of those establishment candidates. Um, if you, like, forced me to pick, uh, you know, a non-establishment person it would almost it would probably be marco rubio uh or carly fiorina yeah um oh yeah no I, that's I no because i think carly fiorina is uh has has had a fabulous history of, of falling just, up she just and is, yeah, and right. is likely a sociopath um yeah, yeah. uh but well, so, she was I mean, a ceo so, yeah. as i said um <laughs> don't, don't trust anybody with an mba don't let dave listen to this part of the podcast um, <laughs> I, I don't think he listens to any part of any of our podcasts <laughs> uh, somebody's gonna send it to him say nick says he doesn't trust you and he might be a sociopath because you have an mba yeah. that's not what i said um but you know yeah don't worry they'll cut that part yeah, yeah this, this is edited right um yeah <laughs> Uh, but you know, in order, in order to the, the, the skill set, and this is a, this is an interesting thing that, um, that, that the other side and even the politicians have embraced, they think that the successful management of a business is somehow akin to the successful management of a government. Yeah. And in some ways, sure, there are certain, there's certain overlap, but treating government like a business is, is such just a devastating thing for the purpose of government. Um, if the purpose of government, if you, or if you define the purpose of government as, as, as making a profit or you, uh, privatize certain, so certain af- uh, assets within the government and certain aspects of the government, um, you're really creating some bizarre and just counterintuitive incentives, mm-hmm. um, and some mm-hmm. really disgusting incentives mm-hmm. that, you know, prison, prison privatization, prison, yep. um, that, you know, well, we, in order to get our money's worth out of this contract, the prison has to be at least 80% full right. because we have to pay the company running the prison as if it were 80% full, regardless of the number yep. of people yep. of prisoners we're serving. So what the hell? We might as well imprison 80%, keep it at 80%. Yep. Um, same thing with, you know, with healthcare. Um, you know, there's certain things that 
um, the, the fact that it's a profit center is is alarming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are certain things the government does, and the certain things that the government should be doing that are impossible um, or extremely difficult to privatize in a way that upholds the the, the moral imperative of what our government should be doing. Um, education. Uh, yep. prisons i mentioned uh mm-hmm. you know any any type of uh any type of law enforcement any type yeah. of, and you know you can make and you can make a pretty compelling argument i think for for that um as far as basic medical care is concerned as far as you know mm-hmm. certain um uh, certain basic social services are concerned um that when we start privatizing them adding in a profit motivation to those things um is really scary because uh that's not that should not be the motivation um, there's nothing wrong with what running those parts of the government efficiently and looking for waste and looking, you know, taking mm-hmm. those parts of business. But as soon as you add in a profit motivation to any of those things, um, you're, you're really getting into some dodgy territory, um, because yeah, of those, those really weird motivations. I've never, I've never heard of anybody really talking about reform in regards to healthcare prison system or education. So I don't really, I'm not really connecting with <laughs> yeah, you. That, I don't know. That's what you're... never part of the <laughs> I mean, yeah. so, those are, those are clearly the, yeah, I mean, for sure. So I just looked at the time and I, I had told Ryan, I wanted the show to go to like nine thirty so he could get out of here at a reasonable oh, yes. time. Yeah. Uh, we are at the two hour mark. So, so I'm thinking one last question and then we'll let you plug whatever you'd like at the end. What I'll let you guys, what, what do you have any last questions? Um, you know, we covered all my notes, and I even got some extra stuff in there. I think, I think I'm good. I think I'm good with old Nexus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nexus the, the, the six premium. The six premium. <laughs> yeah. um, do you have any other? Uh, the, the only question I kind of had earlier was we were talking about people getting out there and making their voices heard a little bit more. What's your concept of people that make their voices heard through rallies and protests? Is that an effective form? Do you think it has more merit or less merit? Or what's, what's your thought on those? Um, my thought on, on most things involved in the political process is um, more is better, always. Um, the solution to bad speech is more speech. The solution to um, people with crappy ideas is for us to have better ideas and put them forward. Um, I I'm I'm all in favor of a all of the above approach. Um, you know there are there are roles for everyone to play. Um, there there's a place for um, for outspoken firebrand atheists that we are. There's a there's a place for diplomatic atheists uh, and humanists uh, like the American Humanist Association and the Secular Coalition because you know we're all in this together and we can disagree on tactics. We can disagree on packaging. We can disagree on messaging, but as long as we're, um, we're going to the same goals, um, we, we should, we should be happy to work with one another when we can. Um, but that's not to say that I'm going to handcuff you to people who drive you crazy mm-hmm. simply because we're, we're atheists together. Well, and everybody um, receives and perceives information in different ways. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, I mean, it, the, the type of message that people respond to depends on the person who's responding to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, if you want to pro- if, if the way that if, if the thing that gets you involved in politics is going out and protesting and holding a rally sign, do it. If that's the thing that gets you fired up and excited about participating in this, I have great. I have no problem with that. Um, and then maybe try also meeting with your member of Congress or, <laughs> or your elected official. But and vote. But but that anger, that anger is a powerful emotion to for for politicians to see. It's mm-hmm. a good motivator and good driver. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. Um, as far as things I want to plug, um, check out check out Atheist Voter. We've got a lot of information up there. We're adding more information all the time. 
Um, Where can I, they go for that? Uh, it's atheistvoter.org, all one word. Um, we've got uh, we, we're something that I announced at the meeting last night with Utah Atheists is we're in the process of hiring some folks to do uh, some full-time tracking and some full-time following around of candidates in the early primary states. Uh, we've just secured some funding for that. Um, but if people like what they hear, if they like this notion of atheists getting involved in politics, uh, there is a big old donate button on the Atheist Voter <laughs> website. There's a big old donate button on the American Atheist website. Um, you know, it, it's a it's an investment in making voices heard in a way that that we haven't. Um, the last thing I want to plug, and I, I my my colleague uh, Amanda Kneef would kill me if I didn't mention it. Um, we've we've written, <laughs> hi Amanda hi Amanda. Uh, we've written uh, she has written a fantastic piece of legislation called the Patients Right to Know Act. Um, yes, that for the first time would put into writing yes. the requirement that uh, religiously affiliated hospitals let people know what they're not going to do. Right. So we're not we don't if, if you're a Catholic hospital, we're not going to force you to perform an abortion, but we want you to tell your patients, just so you know, when you come in here, we don't perform abortions. And if an abortion would be a medically appropriate treatment for uh, whatever has come in. So if a, a woman comes in at 14 weeks pregnant um, and is in severe abdominal pain and she comes in and, says, you know, I think something's wrong. You don't just send her home with medicine yes. with a pain pill. And say, well, we want you to inform your patients of what you're willing to do and will not. Informed do. consent is a critical component of, of medical care, and patients deserve a right to informed consent to mm-hmm. make educated choices about their health. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they can't get that if a hospital is not even telling them that it's an option. Again, we're not saying you, Catholic uh, you Catholic doctor perform an abortion. Mm-hmm. We're saying tell your patient that an abo- that an abortion would be an acceptable and maybe the medically appro- the medically appropriate treatment here. We don't perform it, but these other hospitals do. Right. That's the first step. Now, right. you know, I don't even want to get into this this thing where the only hospital within 150 miles is a religious hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, do we make it? Uh, is it a right to have access to that stuff? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. So. I think so. No fucking question about it. And, you know, so where do the rights of the patient to access life-saving medical treatment intersect with the right of a doctor to not perform something that is a violation of their conscience? Yeah, well, I think it happens at the Hippocratic Oath. And if they're not willing to take that oath yeah. saying they're going to save a life over their fucking bullshit wizard, Sky Daddy, then they need to get the fuck out. And find a new profession. Yep. And, yeah, and, go be a lawyer. And and and, <laughs> and some uh, and, and some states have put in uh, protection on that that yeah. if it is a medically appropriate or medically necessary treatment you got to do it yep. um, Michigan is one of those states it, and, mm-hmm. and it's I don't uh, understand why that's not all I mean it's already in there but whatever go ahead I, yeah, I, yeah and the, the, the Hippocratic uh, Oath doesn't have force of law I've been it's so just good a, tonight it's been a, it's just <laughs> been, you've been you've been on your best behavior I have to say uh, I, I wasn't sure why Dan warned me about anything <laughs>
Let it die. 